time, weather, and... Always! Okay, stop. Hey, rock and rollers, you're listening to KZMB. It's the Friday Night Lovers Lounge, so pick up the phone and dial 666-1313. Our request lines are open. Welcome back to another episode of Big Bill's Bullshit Bonanza. This is the Halloween episode. I'm going to make this quick, just a little housekeeping. And you may hear kids in the background because I'm just doing this now. I'm not waiting. Um, so I did send out a questionnaire. Only two people responded. I'm not worried about it. But to those two people, I do thank you for responding and sending back your answers. And uh, maybe I'll get to around to using them sometime. Um, but uh, this episode is a long-form interview um, with a good buddy of mine. Um, we're going we're gonna to call him Joe, okay? So you'll hear Joe throughout it, and that's what we're going to call him. Um, and uh, he, was, he was raised in a cult. Now, this meanders. It goes off the rails. We talk about other shit. Most importantly, we lost a whole hour of recording. There was some great conversation we had that... Uh, you guys will never hear, but you know, I got to experience it, so did my buddy, so we're happy about that, and uh, I'm not going to lie to you, uh, what you're going to hear is pretty raw, I'm not going to go through and listen to the whole two, it's it's long guys, we have, you have, it's a two hour and 49 minute interview that you get, and it cuts off, so wherever it cuts off, that's it, that's the end, um, and uh, you know, I tried to listen to it, and uh, I know that we didn't get to everything I wanted to. Well, not everything I wanted to. We talked a lot about what he wanted to, and then we just kind of, you know, meandered and got in some other shit. But the further we went, the deeper it got, and there was some wild shit. And I ended up asking him the Halloween questions, and and did that, and we lost it. That 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 shit's gone. So, um, so what you're gonna hear is raw. We just we did it. Um, this is the way I want the podcast to go. The long form interviews, the meandering, just good conversation on a relevant topic. We just kind of stay, you know, we come back and forth to it. It it, it stays mm, close to close to home base, but um, you know, it uh, like I said, it, it wanders. We were we were just having a conversation. It was very organic. We were just talking, 
And uh, that's that's what I want. I do have another one, um, another long form interview uh, lined up. I'm gonna have to, you know, get with the guy and let him know exactly what to expect. But I think people will like that. It's a uh, it's a bigger name, um, eh, you know, in, in state statewide. I don't know how how in, how national he is, but you know that will uh, that'll come out when it comes out. I'll get in touch with him. But um, I, I'm just I'm kind of doing it. You know, I, I'm I don't have the mixer yet. I'm doing this a different way right now. But I wanted to I wanted to go ahead and start doing it. And I said, "Fuck it, work with what you got." So this is the housekeeping. Um, everybody, if you didn't know, there is a um, email address now: bigbillsbullshit at yahoo.com. You can um, email me anything you want there. You want to send a letter of encouragement? Give me just one moment. I'm being dadded. And I'm back. Yeah, I had to take care of some uh, dad issues there. Had to be a dad for a second. Um, I don't remember what the fuck I was saying. Oh, yeah. Send whatever you want to send. BigBillsBullshit at Yahoo.com. That is the email address for the show. I said I'd set one up. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a Twitter. BigBillsBullshit or BigBillsBS. Sometimes it doesn't let you say bullshit. The Facebook page is up. Um, I don't know what the fuck else you want. There's an Instagram. Please, to my my peeps out there listening interact with the show interact talk to me if you want me to tell a ridiculous story write it down email the shit to me i will read your ridiculous story questions comments concerns do you want advice about something do you need me to tell you whether what you did last night was homosexual or not i'll tell you i'll let you know i'll be up i'll be honest with you probably not you know who knows maybe it is you know does one gay act make you gay? I mean, does eating a piece of broccoli make you a vegan? You know what I'm saying? Like, we let's talk about it. Anyways, this is the Halloween episode. Um, I know I've only been doing them monthly, and that's going to stick for a little bit. Um, school ends in November, and I'll be a little bit freer to do this. Um, I am trying to find, you know, relevant work, though, so we'll see what that brings on but um yep that's that's the end of it you know you got that you got the socials there's also a discord channel um if you want to be involved in that which is where i did the interview on discord because that's how it can be done um so if you want to be a part of that and then also i'm thinking if if we get enough people in there we can have a full-on discussion just several of us hop in the discord get on the the streaming thing start talking and recording and that can be an episode it'll just be called the hangout it'll be a hangout episode i'm i'm cool with that that's an easy one to do all i gotta do is record it and fucking import it and then put it on the 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 shit so if anyone's interested in that fucking email me i will send you the discord server link which only lasts for a little while so you have to join when you get it but just get at me you know, let me know if you want to do a hangout. You want to have episodes, you know, that are the supplemental episodes. Just call it a hangout episode, a, a, a chill talk. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here on Patreon. I'm not asking for your money to do this. Let's just hang out. Let's just talk. Let's just have a conversation and record it and put it out there for the world to hear what the fuck we talk about. Um, so yeah, that's. That's the housekeeping. That's that's all I'm going to talk for now because this interview is very long and it just cuts off. So when it cuts off, I'm sorry, that's it. I'm, I may go to the other side and be like, so that was it. Sorry about that. You know, 
KY, you know, who knows. But uh, anyways, this is Joe, who was raised in a cult. So here you go. We're recording. Mm. All right. And we're recording. So. All right. Um, holy shit, there's so many kittens out here, too. Jesus criminy. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the air, bro. Ow, fuck off. That's great. I've got the kittens going to be scratching my leg up the whole time. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, today we're going to talk about your, uh, um, and real quick before we get into it, how, uh, cause you know, I just call you Joe. Is it okay sure, to call yeah. you Joe? Just not use your last name. Yeah. Joe's fine. Okay. Cause Joe sounds generic Absolutely. anyways. I can always be like, let's yeah. call him Joe. We'll call this guy Joe here. Yeah. Says, we're just going to call him Joe. Just don't worry about it. This is what we're going to call him. Um, so, okay. So I got Joe here. Um, and, uh, he's going to be talking to us today about his life growing up in a cult. Um, yes. So unorthodox. Well, you know, that makes sense to say it's unorthodox. (laughs) And, uh, I kind of wonder how, how unorthodox it actually was. So, um, in, you know, immortal words of the Mad Hatter start at the beginning. And when you get to the end, (laughs) stop. All right. Well, and I'll probably I'll probably like interject and interrupt and shit. So, um, yeah, man, just uh, let's let's go. Let it flow. Yeah. yeah so um, my uh, father, he was a uh, a pastor. Uh, he was a pastor before I was born. He started when he was oh, I think he was twelve years old when he first started pastoring. Um, he had a little church down in uh, Bidwell, Ohio, and it all started off, uh, you know, Southern Baptist. That was kind of what uh, a lot of the family was, which, you know, they had the speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff was part of it because they also had that Pentecostal aspect to it. Um, so the kind of just religious faith was based around old Baptist Pentecostal faith. But where you kind of start getting uh, cult-like was it was uh, they were under a particular uh, leader or end-time prophet started this whole kind of offshoot of the Southern Baptist Church, and his name was William Branham. And I don't know, have you ever heard of him before? Um, I'm sitting there thinking, like, I feel like I've heard of that name. I, I don't I don't know why I would have. Um, he was very, very famous, actually. He kind of, you know, the, uh, like, post-World War II uh, heal, uh, faith healing revival that kind of took America and the world by storm? Oh, yeah, yeah. By his contemporaries, he's usually referred to as kind of like the father of that, the kick that movement off. Okay, so it was so, a, it was a Southern Baptist offshoot, is mm-hmm. is what happened. Okay, and you, that was your yeah. father was a pastor of that particular sect of Southern Baptist. Yeah, yeah. If you you could you could describe it as that kind of like sect of Southern Baptist had a lot of Pentecostal influence. Um, Which there is was fun. A, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, um, there was a lot of uh, William Branham's own doctrine that got put into that because his followers uh, believed that he passed down a spoken word gospel that you know, wasn't written. So what he would say would be just as what was valuable in the Bible, which you don't normally have that with most churches. Right, right. So he had a lot of strict... Um, Kind of behavioral things. Uh, you wouldn't smoke, wouldn't drink. Women wore skirts, had long hair, that kind of stuff. Uh, men always wore pants. One thing that uh, was kind of 
odd growing up, I always recall whenever my father, because at a certain point in time, he decided to uh, be an evangelist and gave up his own church, and we traveled the country to these churches. And Wait, some of them, you, you were a part of that. You traveled the country doing this. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Wow, um, I was. Do you guys live in like a camper yeah. or something, or like? Um, we would, he would go from home and he would, uh, travel out from there. Now, sometimes he'd fly and we'd stay home with our grandmother, but if it was within driving distance, we'd travel with him. Now we, we were all, we were homeschooled. I was schooled until I was in high school almost. Okay. Okay. You know, that, that would, I, I could say like, what's well, and I need to, I need to go ahead and say like, Joe, I've, we've known each other for a good f- six years, maybe now. Yeah, yeah, six years, I'd say. So, and then, and this is something that I've not known about you uh, at all. I, I didn't know this uh, at all there. So, I could, you know, the whole trope about homeschool kids is, oh, that's why you're so weird. But you're not. You're not yeah, a weird yeah. guy. You're very, <laughs> you're very well rounded. Yeah. Uh, I guess you're a little weird about chess, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, my, uh, my mother, it was funny because she had some, um, you know, we, we were very set off from the world we weren't allowed to listen to any kind of secular music or anything like that but my mom did have some interests that kind of extended out past that like she's into like superheroes love superman she was like um uh she liked boxing so she got me into boxing when i was younger now that that is funny like no you know i'm wearing skirts no secular music but go beat the shit out of each other boys (laughs) yeah 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 but sugar ray leonard's got it going on yeah you know that's uh that was the the times you know so but yeah so um we would do that type of stuff and like i said i, I remember uh when we were traveling on occasion uh, uh preachers they'd put us up in motels and those motels would have like swimming pools and uh you know we'd go down there and we'd go swimming but we always swam completely fully clothed you know i did too but like i was just because i was very self-conscious and yeah i mean like i remember my dad swimming around God, and he's like fucking damn t-shirt this little motherfucking cat just bit my toe. It's that time of year, man. Jesus Christ. Cats and spiders. Fuck them, dude. <laughs> I don't like either one of them. Right now, I think I'm for spiders. Little motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's That's that spray cut. down the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, a lot of uh, kind of just odd things. We always, uh, that's who we... Uh, was always around was uh, message people. Uh, that's that's what they refer to it was the message, like a, like it's a noun. You know, what I mean, like this last kind of uh, message that came from. And he was supposedly the uh, spiritual embodiment of Elijah, who was supposed to uh, return before the second coming of Christ, and he was supposed to herald that. The the prophet in, in is that what yeah. you guys called him? Was the prophet? Yeah, the prophet. Mm-hmm. Now, was was your father the prophet, or was uh, William Branham the prophet? William Brandon was the prophet. My father was just uh, helping to spread his his message, which was kind of like all the pastors there. You know, was William Brandon was the prophet, and they were just um, preachers, uh, messengers. And 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 just for you know, for you know, people listening, what years was this? Because this is you're not you're not an old man. You're what thirty four, maybe something like that. I think no, thirty uh, thirty five. Going to be thirty six here in the next couple of months, but. Uh, this was between, like I said, they, they were they were involved in the message church um, when I was born. So that was 1986, probably um, 1984 to, I mean, 
my father kind of parted ways with the message, even like, or with some of the, the message church, he's still pastors, but um, the kind of teachings of Branham, he doesn't exactly uh, teach um, as much anymore. I'm not 100% sure because I haven't been to his church in a while, but yeah. Um, he kind of parted ways with that and um, teaches more of a more kind of rounded Pentecostal message. But um, yeah, all the way up until I was probably 15, 16 years old, we so, did the, the So we're talking thing. like year 2000, 2001. This, so all through yeah. the 90s, you were, uh, you know, your father, your, your family was tra- uh, traveling cult, basically. Yeah, from my, from like uh, church to church and stuff like that. And it was wow. the whole kind of background of it. It's, it's very interesting because I mean we have these these stories about this prophet. Um, I remember we had a uh, a coloring book that had all uh, all his stories and all the things that happened to him. He's a he's a very um, interesting man. I mean, yeah, that I'll give him that. He um, had this uh, this whole persona that was built around um, everything that he was uh, supposed to be. Years later, as I kind of started doing like some soul searching for myself and uh, kind of trying to explore some of my background, um, I started looking into it. And it was so funny. It was just like I just kind of like stopped thinking about it over the years. And that's when I, at one point in time, I said, you know what? This was a huge part of my life. And I started trying to process all the kind of stuff that happened. And I started reading up about some of the, uh, the how he was a hoax and some of the the stuff that he said and did could be proven as being, you know, hoax and fraud. And I guess there were people during his time, but, you know, you don't get presented with that type of stuff uh, yeah, no, when you're involved no. in it. No, they would they would definitely hide that sort of thing. Um, yep. oh, yeah. It's a uh, it's kind of like the media today. We only see what they want us to see. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you start looking at it, and they say, you know, all these because um, he 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 made a lot of uh, prophecies and uh, performed a lot of uh, miracles, a lot of healings, and stuff like that. Did a lot of, uh, like I said, huge tent revivals and stuff. And even to this day, there's some about uh, they sell uh, about two million people in the around, around the world. No shit. So yeah, it's okay. The, so uh, is William Branham was he was he alive when you were a part of this, or is uh, it, is no. he still? Actually, William Branham he died in 1965. It was Christmas Eve, 1965. Uh, he died in a car crash. Which I mean, that obviously uh, his followers at the time uh, truly believed that the next coming year was going to be uh, the return of Christ. Uh, the second coming and um, they're uh, doomsday uh, people. And uh, so it's every year it's, you know, that it's going to be this year. It's going to be this year. Get your, get your self ready. You know, Christ is coming back this year. So the whole thing is uh, built upon that. The Christ is coming back any day now. Very doomsday. Okay. Well, that's, Pretty much all of it, then, isn't it? <laughs> that's that's yeah, a, yeah. well. I guess there's some to more, you know, more extent well, than others. Of, but yeah, you get a lot of influence from that Southern Baptist stuff, and I mean, it's it's really interesting that they and it is that from what I understand, Southern Baptist is very fire and brimstone, and you yeah. know, mm-hmm. get oh, yeah. repent ye sinners for the day of the Lord is upon us sort of <laughs> vibes from that. Um, oh, absolutely. But it's weird because the Pentecostals, while while they're, uh, you know. I most churches are in times to to some extent or another because they all believe it's yeah. coming. 
but like the Pentecostals are a fun group. They get well, up and they you, hoot and holler you know and the, dance. Uh, and... Do you know how the uh, Pentecostal movement started? Um. Oh, I did. I did once. Fuck. Yeah. Um, go go ahead, because it's right, been a right while. after the uh, there was a big earthquake in San Francisco. I think it was around like 1904, <clears throat> and um, you know back then they didn't have access to any kind of TV, radio, all that kind of stuff. So they had, um, they believed wholeheartedly that this uh, earthquake, people died and fire started, that this was a uh, true sign at the end times, right? Yeah. So you have this huge revival um, where people start gathering around on Azusa Street down in uh, San Francisco. And I believe it was a, a black man that was leading this um whole big revival and people gathered from everywhere and even reporters came to kind of um observe some of the stuff that was going on and i'm telling you it was a lot of not just um people that were christians but it had a lot of uh people that were uh believed in metaphysical stuff um that were there to um uh, witches and things like that psychics and stuff um, it was a huge group of people that were spiritualists that got together. And from that was birthed the Pentecostal movement. And even to this day, it, uh, you'd see it in some of William Branham's teachings. that there was some metaphysical aspects to it, such as uh, belief in like uh, your astrology and stuff. Huh. Now that one, that's kind of unique to the astrology mm -hmm. being believed in, in any Christian fashion, because that's, yep. you know, just typically not the case. So. That yep, is I remember uh, them uh, actually referencing it when I was a kid. William Branham, he believed in astrology. That's crazy. So now it was very like traditional. You said uh, women wore skirts. Yep. That's and that's very um, apostolic, like right where you know yep. the skirts yep. and all. So this seems to be a mishmash of the wilder branches of Christianity, where he's just like. Yep. Um, you know, I like this about it. I like that. Uh, yeah, I like this traditional aspect. I like hooting and hollering and dancing. I love fire and brimstone. So, it's the William Branham Variety Hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, it was something else. Like so, growing up, um, there was a. Uh, I'd say probably about ten years there, maybe a little less than that, where we didn't have any kind of television. Uh, we didn't have a Christmas tree. Of course, my parents, they would always uh, buy us presents and stuff like that, and we'd celebrate a kind of traditional American Christmas, you know. Um, so they didn't have, you didn't have Christmas trees? Now, is it because they were no, a, a pagan influence or something, or, or what was the that's reason for that? That's correct, yes. Okay. Yeah, because it was pagan influence, and it was the same way. We weren't allowed to have playing cards in the house. Because of the, the they could be used for divination? Yep, yep, because of the divination aspects of it. I remember, like, my great-grandmother, she was, um, she she didn't ascribe to the William Branham stuff. And that was another thing that um, the rest of my family, like, some of them listened to William Branham's, Branham's teachings, but they didn't, uh, uh, like, go to his churches and stuff like that like we did. They were kind of outside of it. They were, they were Southern Baptists. They liked some of the stuff he was saying, but they didn't buy into, I believe, fully the whole him being the end-time prophet stuff. Yep. So it was kind of um, uh, something for me to process was I had all these adults in my life that clearly saw that this was some sort of a cult and uh, none of them said or did anything about it, you know, um, to uh, try to talk my parents out of, you know, dragging around the country and stuff like that. But we, I remember uh, 
we went to a couple snake handler churches and stuff like that. So there was like some fringe places that we ended up in our travels. It was kind of met a lot of interesting folks. Snake handlers. That's a wild one, dude. I can't like, I, you know, they'll take up serpents. You know what guys, sometimes just let it be words. (laughs) (laughs) It could be a metaphor. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, it's more like this is okay. Look, when you get to heaven, You'll be bulletproof, ten feet tall and bulletproof. But here on Earth, where yeah. shit's dangerous, shit's dangerous, bro. God, motherfucking yeah. cats. Avoid that snake. <laughs> yeah, avoid the snake. I can't yeah, believe they they'll a, take up uh, serpents, and they're like serpents. What caused it with Eve? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mocking them. I guess I can mock snake handlers. They're fucking yeah, kind of dumb. Even though, yeah, that's kind of fringe for like everybody. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of on the. The outside there, they yeah. uh, but they had uh, they'd keep mason jars full of I think it was either cyanide or arsenic or something like uh, that. They I, th- I think it's it. strychnine that they keep. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Yep, yeah. strychnine. Yep, absolutely. And they had a big jar of it, and they would take sips from it. Uh, so, uh, quick quick uh, interjection about strychnine. When yeah. I was a young warthog, um, I, I had aspirations of becoming a famous rapper. And mm-hmm. Strychnine was gonna be my rap name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you should but come never on. let that dream died, dude. I'm telling you, like, what a fire <laughs> name that is. Strychnine for yeah. a rapper. Strychnine. Come on, yeah. I spit lethal bars. It. You know what I'm saying? You like, spell it all kinds of cool ways. Too. I did put a number in there. I did. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. what was it? S T R Y K dash nine. That was, yeah, had to be. But but honestly, the YK would make it like strike. People would think strike, strike nine, strike, strike nine. nine yeah. I would be yeah. fighting everybody. Like, strike nine. Fuck. There's it's no E. Nine. There's yeah. no E. <laughs> yeah. yeah, come on, you guys. Yeah. But yeah, even absolutely. but but strike nine is spelled with a Y, like the actual shit. Yeah. It's S T R Y C H N I N E. So like, it was holding true until. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to the the K, so people would still mispronounce it. It still say strike nine yeah but, no grammatically speaking you're right but yeah. yeah most people don't follow them rules man yeah no most people don't know how to spell <laughs> shit yeah. literally shit they don't know how to spell it so <laughs> yeah, for sure absolutely so so yeah, you grew I've up in this stuff. and you were very it's weird to say very secular because you were very religious but like you 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 were based on earth in a, in like a heavenly sense here where you couldn't, you know, like divination was bad and the, the pagan tree was bad. So it's like, everything was very mundane. So, you know, growing up, like you said, you, you, you got out of about 15 or so. So when you're hitting your teen years, how did, I mean, man, that sucks. You fucking, the nineties sucked for you and the nineties were great. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, for real, dude, because, I mean, we had, like I said, no access to secular stuff, so there's the absolutely no secular music. Even when you're talking about, like, the good Christian kind of, like, like DC talk and stuff like that, like, that was too far for my parents, so. Really? I wasn't to listen to, yeah, mm-hmm, yep. What about and, Carmen? Uh, Could you listen to Carmen? Bro, Carmen was the greatest thing. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, yeah, so, yeah. 
I was deep into Christianity around the same yes. time. So, like, yeah. my sixth grade year, fifth and sixth grade years, I was so into it. I'd sit oh, and I'd, good, wasn't I'd it? watch the Trinity Broadcasting Network, dude. My family hated it. I was the only fucking one in the house that I'm like, <laughs> yeah, give me all TBN, the God you can man. get. Yeah, TV was the yeah. shit, dude. Yeah, and, yeah, and then yeah. they'd have, like, Carmen concerts. And I'm in, I, did he sing Awesome God? Because I feel like he did. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think the famous person wasn't him. It was somebody else. Um, but he had uh, he had a famous uh, righteous invasion of truth that came out. He did. He rapped. I think he was an Italian dude. Like he had you know this like nappy hair and, and he, he did have buff. that rap thing that was really yeah, weird. Yeah. He he was he was something else, dude. And I tell you, he I used had to a love movie watching that. that came out that met some sort of degree of like. You know, success. Oh my god, um, we need to bo- watch that. He was a boxer. Yeah, he was a boxer <laughs> or something crazy. Is yeah. Uh, Benny Hinn, I used to like watching. Oh man, Benny Hinn, he and put he, him down, wasn't he? Dude, he was knocking him out left and right. That yeah, dude yeah, should have been real. a heavyweight boxer. That's probably why your mom liked boxing. She was into Benny Hinn so. and just yeah. liked seeing people laid out, <laughs> laying them down for the Lord. Yeah, right. Yeah, it reminds me <laughs> of real. like those uh, those fake karate dudes you see on TV where people like attack them and oh, they like yeah. they yeah. like shrug and it knocks them down. Yeah. Or Benny Hens using his key to knock people over. That's right, <laughs> yeah. dude. He's like, it's all the energy. Then yeah. wasn't he like Irish <laughs> exactly. or something? He had some accent. I feel. I think he was Armenian or something like that. Like he was very. Why uh, the fuck uh, did I think Irish? Well, I was a yeah kid addicted to christianity so yeah yeah so yeah you had the you were guessing i'm sure yeah i had no idea <laughs> yeah no and I, I remember him and a guy named jesse duplantis i used to watch him kind of late at Dude, night he had yes this, remember him he had this real heavy southern accent almost like he had the slick back white hair like too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. always very kind of humorous in his he was he was funny mm-hmm. I, I tell you one that um so you I, you might know Jessica's dad. Uh, he he recently passed in September, but oh, uh, his favorite preacher was Kenneth Copeland. That oh, no. dude scares the shit out of me. I know, bro. He's a fucking yeah. demon. There's nothing that I. There's no way that dude is not a vile creature from another dimension. Look, dude. There's a movie that Kenneth Copeland was in, and I saw a clip from it, and it unlocked a memory for me, and I had forgotten. I was like, oh my god, I watched this movie like years <laughs> ago. Yeah, no, he's 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 wild, man. He, he looks is, like Hoggle. Uh, he looks like Hoggle from the Labyrinth. He looks exactly like Hoggle from the Labyrinth. Like, exactly like exactly him. Exactly like, like, how do you get that? His head is gigantic. It looks like a fucking bobblehead. And it's yeah. all the folds and stuff like you think that he's, he's weird he get yeast infection on his forehead with all the folds he's got on there i'm telling you it's like a, what a shih tzu is that what those things are called or or um a sharpay a sharpay that's what it is yeah. yeah he's got that sharpay skin going on that's how you say sharpie in french too that's the french yeah. that's fancy markers the sharpays yeah sharpay we're getting way off track of your your uh, cult story, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so let's see. The '90s sucked for you. No Dunkaroos. Yeah. Um, the '90s were crazy. I remember um, the uh, and and like I said, like a lot of it was really traumatic because you know the the people in my life that are my influence that are kind of telling me exactly what my worldview should be. Um, you know, you're looking at uh, when the Y2K scare happened, like they were really scared. Like this was for sure a sign of the end times. 
Oh, dude, I bet. Like, I didn't even yeah. think about that. Man, Y2K was bad enough for us people out in the, uh, I'll say the real world. Us people out in the real yeah. world were uh, yeah. <laughs> scared of it. At that point in time, I was I was completely disconnected from just everything. Um, I was, you know, going into the year 2000. That, that summer, um, I was sick with anxiety every single day because I thought it was over. I remember when I was a kid, and this was... Oh, probably 1989, 1990. Okay. I was probably three or four years old. Four years old, I'd say. I remember seeing an ad on TV for uh, tires. The local shop was selling tires. And um, I remember seeing on TV a, a tire swing. And, man, I wanted a tire swing more than anything. Well, this ad for tires was saying you can purchase these tires now and spend no money for one year. Now, I was at that age, even around four or five years old, so sure that the end of the world was going to happen that I was trying to convince my parents, like, hey, we can get this. I can have a tire swing until it's over. You know what I mean? You guys don't <laughs> yeah. have to pay anything for it. <laughs> you don't have to pay. It's like, hey, we'll check yeah. it out. They don't even know. They think next yeah, year. Before, <laughs> yeah, before Christ comes, we're yeah. going to con these tire people until yeah. <laughs> the Lord comes back. <laughs> the <laughs> Lord would be totally fine with us conning these people. You know yeah, why? Because yeah. they're out in the devil world. So yeah, we can trick exactly. the devils, teach these devils. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's dude, the funniest shit. Year, I mean, funny, yeah, dude. Like, and I mean, like that Sad. Was, sad, but funny. It's like. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, you know, but. That was, you know, kind of my existence. Also, they really believed in really heavy metaphysical things, angels, demons, um, which Branham really kind of um, talked a lot about that type of stuff. He had stories where he was visited by angels and um, where he was uh, visited by, uh, he, he'd seen demons and people and things like that. And kind of, there was during that time in the, you know, 1950s, uh, late 1940s, early 1950s and stuff when they were really kind of um, bringing that back. Uh, the seances and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then that kind of, that you, you do see that in um, the churches too uh, with uh, their, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe they're just wanting like a piece of the pie from the Catholic church or something. So they started casting demons out and stuff. And they used yeah. to, you know, so they had that kind of uh, thing going for them. But yeah, they uh, heavily believe that. So I believe that growing up, but at any point in time, I would just walk into the living room and there would be like a demon standing in there. I walked around every corner of my, like for years and years, just uh, completely afraid of the dark and stuff like that. Because these things were real, you know? Yeah, yeah well, when you're told by, you know, parents and all the, when, you, when your authority figures, the people who teach you yeah. what the world is about, says, oh yeah, demons are real, they can come up and take over your body. Like legit, I, I was scared of that too, because mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it was what what i was being taught but i remember being so afraid of demons and and being possessed and stuff like that maybe it was just you know the zeitgeist of the time um because when we were kids well you know i was born in 85 so (laughs) we were on the tail end of the satanic panic too yeah yeah you know because what's that yeah grossly adversely affected my life (laughs) oh i bet (laughs) i bet yeah, absolutely. See, I, I never. The uh, first time I went trick or treating was when I took my own kids. Are you fucking serious, bro? Yeah, didn't go one wow. one time. Uh, my uh, my childhood at all because they they did not. 
uh, do anything during Halloween. That was not a uh, not even recognized. Not a safe, t- not a safe, not a safe time for us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go out. The demons are out there. You, I can imagine like your parents looking out the windows and seeing like people dressed up. Where wait? Where did you guys live? Like in like 1989, 1990. Were you in the same area, the Jackson area, or? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we lived in Oak Hill. Uh, the, oh, I was like never our, up there. our whole lives. Yeah, <laughs> we had. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, fuck had, Oak Hill. Um, it's so far away. I can be at Walmart, dude, on the fucking yeah. Oak Hill side, getting rid of General Tibbetts Way or whatever, and people are like, yeah. oh, it's only in Oak Hill. I'm like, I'd rather fucking die. Oak Hill is 94 <laughs> hours away from Walmart, but people are like, man, no, it's right. only like yeah. eight miles. I'm like, you're fucking, yeah. are you kidding me, dude? No, that stretch of 93 is tor- uh, just pure torture. Why? Why is it so bad? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I think everyone agrees. I think Every, everyone agrees. People who live in Oak Hill fucking hate being in Oak Hill because, yeah. you know, it's closer to Gallipolis sometimes, yeah. depending on what no. side you're on. They're stuck there and <laughs> they're yeah. still getting out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we lived there in Oak Hill. Um, they uh, ended up living, uh, my uh, grandfather, he really helped us out with a house and we got us a house. And so, yeah, dad was, a, uh, that was a, a pastor. He was a, uh, worked a job as a shipping foreman out at the company. I came there for a number of years. And then one day while he was moving stuff for the church, he fell out of the uh, back of a truck and, um, damaged his leg in such a way that it was kind of like crippling for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't work anymore after that. And, uh, you know, we had a rough financial years and stuff like that, but he continued to, after that, um, continued to preach, uh, spread the message. And, um, that was how he really made the bulk of his, uh, money was through preaching. I mean, it's a good gig. It pay, it seems to pay very well. It is. Yeah. That's it- the, Talking about uh, casting demons out and shit. Who was the guy on TBN that was the the guy who did the demon casting and shit? Um, I I was thinking Bob Larson at first, but he wasn't on TBN. He's just famous. Uh, Yeah, and it was in the same vein as like Benny Hinn. Like it, uh, like yeah, there was. During that time, that, I mean, there were some famous preachers, man. They were laying uh, groundwork for guys like Joel Osteen coming up. and you know, Joyce Meyer was coming up in that time. Joyce Meyer was Joyce a part Meyer, of that. Yeah. And she's I still know, going I strong. Her before her plastic surgery. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, God. God, who was, was that uh, guy, man? Like, it's, 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 I've been sitting here thinking about it, like, trying to remember, because I can almost remember his face. And he, it's like, it feels like he was. Look wise, between Jesse Duplantis and Benny Hinn, he was like somehow a, a baby made by yes. them, and yeah. he was the demon guy. Yeah, I, they all look. I'm telling you, dude. My dad, he always like he was slick, man. He he really had the gig down pat for sure. Like hair combed over perfectly, oh, uh, nice. suits perfect. Dude could rock an organ too. Like he'd sit down in church, and he grew up in a uh, uh, old black church down on the river. And um, oh boy, yeah. So he'd yeah. get on that organ and just straight sin, wouldn't he? He'd just be. Yeah. By yeah. the time he got done, people are like, "I need saved again." <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like, it, yeah. We need forgiveness for what we just heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he, you know, he kicked those uh, kick the loafers off, man, and start uh, start rocking that Hammond B three, you know. 
Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear. I love organ music, dude. Like, yeah, so he's good. That'd be that'd yeah, be he's rad. A talented musician. My mother, she's a talented musician. Both of them, you know, growing up in church, and that's that's one of the things that. Uh, church that i always kind of saw was there was a chance and you see it you know singers always talk about yeah i sang in church you know growing up or, or I, yeah I was always yeah in church when I was younger. Mm -hmm. so and that's the thing i mean you know churches they have a there's that sense of community and that is a place where you know kids go and they learn how to play music is in church and they have you know you may not have the money to be able to afford an organ or a piano or a guitar or a bass but or whatever. The church but, does. Yeah, a lot of churches have them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you get together. So, you know, that's one thing is the community. The church has got this uh, community that actually seems to help some individuals thrive that are able to, you know, have good leaders within it, I think. Yeah, I, you know, you, I mean, you know me. There was a time period in my life after, like, dude, fifth, sixth grade. I was addicted to Christianity, given my allowance, all that stuff. By the time I hit seventh yeah. grade, I went in seventh grade. I was into, uh, you know, LeVay, Satanism, and, and uh, voodoo and black magic. My mom was like, no, 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 no. Uh, here's Wicca. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. Check out Wicca. But I was still very into LeVay and, and Satanism. Yeah. But Wicca was my like thing. from 30% off that there. Yeah, she's like, yeah. <laughs> Talk about 25% off that there, Squirrely Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and Satanist shit. Uh, so she she tried to get me to calm down on that, but like, oh fuck, I totally lost what I was gonna say. Wow, that thought <laughs> like really went away. Um, music, away. And, yeah. What? Oh, oh, I was very anti-Christian. I uh, yeah. like had like a almost an animosity, like a hatred, or I was that you know fedora wearing atheist like oh, you're a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> How funny! Oh, yeah. so you believe in this fairy guy? Do you? <laughs> I was that. I was that kind of guy, right? And but like now, like I'm older. I'm, I'm not a Christian. I'm not. I'm not exactly pro Christian, but yeah. I am pro I, people pro doing. Yeah, I'm pro people doing what works for them. And like, yeah. if and I'm also like I'm to a point where I'm not. I'm not an atheist anymore. I don't. You know, it, yeah. if, you know, it, the world's huge. It's so diverse. The cosmos is huge. My, you know, yeah, my, if, my understanding has, especially over the, like the past couple of years, it has grown to include almost something like you describe as like a perennial philosophy that all religions are basically just a cultural expression of, of an understanding of God. Um, yeah. So you've got the, you know, this whole universe that expresses itself through the human consciousness and, uh, based around cultures they just kind of develop these stories and things and, so, and who's and who's to yeah. say that there's not they're not just one big pie in the sky like a whole like they're yeah. up there just having a party you know all these gods yeah. and stuff but like whatever the abrahamic god's name is he's like you know what i'm gonna carve me out a little section over here that's just mine it's all it's all me you know and and yeah. you know that that could be true just as much as you know our gods are are, are true to us so it's um it's it's a thing where i no longer feel like anybody's gods are wrong it's just they they might not be right for me probably there are some things that for people there are universal truths and i believe everyone really wants everyone really wants the same thing right yeah, community and, um, and um, to feel like there's something else out there. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, when yeah. we die, we see our loved ones again. That's that's really what everyone wants. No, there's 
even even the most hardcore atheist even yeah. um, would love to and it's the most hardcore atheists, the real ones, it's more of a can't believe. Like, I just, they're like, I just yeah. can't do it. And I know, because that's yeah, how I felt. That's, that's, and yeah. it's, it's like, I would love to feel like when I die, I get to go see my, my brothers or my mom or whatever, you know, whoever yeah. it is you're missing, you know, you want to see them again. I think that and community are the two, like, universal truths for everybody to where, mm-hmm. Everybody yeah, wants yeah, exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, everyone wants to to love and be loved and to uh, to give and receive. You know, I believe fully in a gifting cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know that develops relationships between people and things. But um, yeah, and all these types of things, you can see. You look at religions around the world. You have the the golden rule that is prevalent in all of them. That is for basically treat other people how you would like to be treated yourself, which is kind of you know supposed to solve all the the world's ills and i suppose it would if that was you know how people actually behaved but yeah ultimately they all kind of just you know the religions kind of come back to that but with different kind of cultural differences and now it's kind of the you know religion has turned into a, a way of i believe excluding people sometimes it it, um, it very much feels that way so um you know uh i'll go ahead and out us here uh joe and i are both yeah. heathens um yeah. And for a while, for a long while, I was very folkish, and um, and I didn't mean it to be exclu- exclusionary, but then I started looking at it, and it is, by its very nature it is. I actually listened to, I think I sent you that podcast today, um, Asatru Academics, and yeah, I saw that. She, she laid out a pretty good argument for it, um, or against it, not really against it, but like why, why it's wrong. And uh, you mean focus? Yeah, focus. focus yeah, okay. uh, to be focused. Now, there's also the yeah. Yarn-Saxa scale, which um, goes from like the least, because focus can can be. And I don't like doing this, but it can definitely be. It can be racist, but it's it's not inherently racist, but it definitely borders on that. It's easy. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's easy, easy to get there. Like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty. It is, it is because you're looking at it, and, and you're speaking uh, focus. You you're looking at it, and there's a kind of a belief that uh, your bloodline helps to connect you to the past and connect you to your gods and things, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and whereas a lot of people take that and they you know use it for, uh, strictly for exclusionary purposes instead of as a means for them to kind of explore that route within right. their own faith, which I mean uh, that's you know perfectly acceptable. I went through that you know for a long time that your you know your blood has uh, connects you to some sort of uh, past or something like that. But. And, and that's the the yarn sax is like one two three four five six or something like that, and I th- or maybe even seven. Whereas three and four are you know the middle way and they're, they're yeah. similar to each other but three is to so like one is like the least folkish the least you know aka racist and then six is yeah. hitler um <laughs> so uh, yeah and i was i i was i was yeah i was examining it and i was like you know the three to four range feels like that's what everybody actually is Wherein, especially if it's because the the focus thing, like I, I kind of I can't help but to think that like blood does matter because ancestry matters, and mm-hmm. the ethnics matter where where people came from and where the religion came from. 
However, yeah. I'm not a god. That's not for me to yeah. interpret. So, how well, the fuck am I supposed I to know? Of, this is something that kind of I kind of uh, thought about, and I like to do uh, uh, exercises where I kind of sit and, and think in a more uh, philosophical way to try to explore. And this is something that I kind of uh, came about and thought about. Um, you look at it as religion, as a culture's way of expressing the particular truth that there is something that's greater than ourselves, being the universe. And we uh, uh, basically speak in terms of gods and stuff like that to describe what we're experiencing. So you look at religion and it being a culture's ultimate means of expressing the truth of the universe. Yeah. I, I do not believe that a culture or a, a religion that's developed within a culture isolated, uh, which a lot of religions, you know, they are, they developed because of themselves, you know, from, you know, the, the North religions or whatever they developed. And, um, I don't believe the people in the beginning that developed these religions to be, um, ways of expressing ultimate truths intended for people to not everyone to believe that, you know, the people that said, this uh, Thor is an ultimate and mighty God. They said that, and they intended it in the beginning for every human being to believe that. Right? That yeah. Faith, right? Yeah. So they wouldn't be. They're not up there like these are our gods, but only ours, and you can't have them. You yes, who? You know, like who are you talking like, about? Is, these are our gods, and they should be yours. And we're going to fight you and kill you. To you. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 You better. Uh, you was, better fucking believe. <laughs> that was in the beginning. Yeah. And the, like you should do the things that that we do. You know, we're going to your holidays will be our holidays now. And you know, we've conquered you, and you. This is how it should be. So, you look at it and you go, Why now is it that no, you can't do this? No, you can't practice this. And you, and you see it a lot. Um, Wiccans catch a lot of shit because. They uh, they talk about smudging. They they get uh, cultural appropriation um, jabs at them from you know Native American cultures and stuff because they they do still a lot of glean a lot of um, religious aspects from other faiths, other religions, and uh, yeah, they're just like you know what if it feels good, do it. They're they're very hippie. (laughs) Yeah, they're like I'm going to worship Apollo today. You know, like it's a. It's a nice sunny day out. Apollo's getting it. But. Yeah, it's a fucking free for all up in there. But you know, <laughs> yeah. and I kind of I think I see what you're getting at there. Like, what? Yeah. Why does it matter what what anyone else? So, and, and you know, let's do, let's go the focus route. Yep. If you feel right that whites only, white blood, white gods. I've I've heard that so yeah. many times. Right? Why? Yeah. Why though? If you feel yeah. like your gods get energy from and and, and receive gifts and energy from human interaction Mm -hmm. you are limiting the gods you know by because by you saying this you we haven't been told that it's not in the lore anywhere it it has no historical context to say absolutely that now you could say it's every holy book yeah Every holy book in the world, it, it, they were written for everybody because they wanted everyone to believe this. This was their truth, and they tried to express it to every human being in the world. And, I mean, every holy book, like uh, the Rig Veda, like the Hindu mm-hmm. um, uh, kind of Bible, if you want to borrow the phrase. But Yeah, or the, um, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran. The, um, any of them. Yeah. And you, you, so it's supposed to be a truth that's universal for all human beings. 
And um, yeah, but somewhere along the line, that that turned out to not be the thing. And I think when that happened was when people stopped believing in their gods, and it turned into just a cultural thing. See, I, and that's the I think that's the rub there is these faiths that people no longer believe in their gods, and it's just an expression of their culture. Also, it's very Christian. It is a very Christian yeah. way of thinking because they, you know. There's a hierarchy, definitely. The Pope was the grand poobah of everything, even above oh, kings. Yeah. So they have a superiority oh, complex. And definitely. Like and, and you know, you go back to like, you know, talking about the, the message and stuff like that. The Catholic Church is is the Antichrist. Oh really? As uh, yeah, as described by the book of Revelations, the uh uh, the woman, um, the woman that sits upon the dragon, the dragon representing power, the woman representing church. Uh, she's clad in because um, you know all these kinds of uh, certain things were used as metaphors all the time, kind of like how kinnings were used. Yeah, um, certain uh, uh, like uh, the the lore and stuff of old Scandinavian. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> so they would uh, uh, say those types of things, and. Uh, yeah, you know, as 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 a metaphor. Yeah, and then so so to the message church, which is that what they called themselves, yeah. the message church. Yeah, yeah, the 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 message, um, the, uh, the the what was uh, talked about in the Book of Revelations as being the Antichrist, the Catholic Church, and ultimately uh, the Pope being the the Grand Poobah of the whole thing. Um, he was, you know, six 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 being the number of the man. Which, if you actually look at it. Uh, what was being written six 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 was a reference to I believe some sort of Roman emperor or something like that of the time. See, the Book of Revelations is a metaphor for what was happening in the world at the time it was written, and it's been taken and misconstrued by um, Christian churches ever since the beginning. Like there is nothing that's true about uh, church history, Christian history that is uh, portrayed in in churches these days. The Catholic Church probably the closest. Um, yeah, it's the original. It's the original Christian church, so they would have the closest. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. it's kind of like you want to you. So, because hold on, I've I've just been notified of something um, on the discords. Okay, uh, I don't know where at. Not in here. Okay, um, it was on a different one. Uh, you want to look at the the world we're living in right now and you know i'm i know you've heard it you know the kali yuga the the wolf age uh yeah. we're living in revelations right now and isn't yeah. it kind of weird that like all of these all add up to the same thing after christianity took over the world like mm -hmm. to me it's honestly the story of ragnarok is such a hard thing to like fully you know say that was definitely uh, historically correct, but the fact that it's in yeah, the, yeah. the poetic edda is what yeah, really yeah. allows it to still be clung to because mm -hmm. that yeah. was pre-Christian influence. The poetic edda was pre-Christian. The, the prose edda was Snorri's King James yeah, version. Snorri. Yeah, Snorri <laughs> Sturluson, for real. That, that guy was like, re rewrote basically uh, the Bible for, you know, Bible for Vikings. Um, yeah. Which, you know, you look at it and, and try to match it. And that's the thing is, you know, they, they weren't a people that kept a very good written history. So it's, it's hard to tell. And, you know, you got to recreate. And that's that's the kind of thing about, you know, bringing a, a religion back. And you look at it and uh, with tribalist religion, 
you kind of get to design the rules, get to do what feels right. It's organic, and I believe ultimately that was kind of how it was back in the day. Yeah, I, I like how we've kind of segued into talking about our religion, but um, I, I'm I'm here for it. So it's <laughs> yeah. kind of it's kind of yeah. nice to to have that kind of talk because you, you know you know I've struggled. Um, you like I said we we were part of the same organization, and I've had mm-hmm. my. Yeah issues with you know my the faith of it and it's like you know i this is what i want this is what feels right to me when 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 i practiced out there Mm -hmm. it felt like my blood was alive you know and it's it's that sort of thing where how do you do it right well how really if you're doing it and the intent i was listening to yeah. uh you know who jm olofsson is yes mm-hmm. so he and um jesse Stillwagon from midgard musings they were talking mm-hmm. about intention and purpose let me move my mic yes. back a little bit and yeah. you know you may intend to like jesse jesse Stillwagon was saying that he's like I, well i was intending to go drum to bring in winter nights and that was <clears> how i was going to do it but i didn't yeah. get to and then uh, JM is like, but what was the purpose behind it? And if you yeah. take those two words that seem like they mean the same thing, but they don't. So yeah. if your intention is to honor the gods and what you're doing, the thing you're doing, the purpose for doing that is to honor the gods or the ancestors or the, the land whites, then you're doing it right. Yeah. You know, but if it's, if it's false intentions, if it is all... And, and to some extent, all ritual is theater because it has to be. Your mind has to get into that ritual thing. Yeah. You have to give yourself over to the to the other side because we live in a secular world. Religion is removed from us daily. Um, and it, it is difficult to live a religious life if you're not a Christian because, yeah. I mean, how many people have you ever heard say, oh, yeah, he's very religious and they mean he's a Buddhist? They don't. They yeah, don't. No, they don't mean no. that. You say, they, "Oh, he's yeah, religious." Means he's a hardcore Christian. Yeah, there, there was there was some comedian at some point in time. I can't remember who he was, but he was said, "You know, all all religious faiths are equal, but you need to go. You know, you need to understand that the Christians won." Yeah, <laughs> and it was kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was a kid was a Muslim or something like that. They were Muslims or something like that, and you know, as they were kind of teaching them, you know, that yeah, the Christians they get treated just a little bit differently in the world than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, they took it over. Like that was yeah. for sure global domination. Like the Catholic yeah. Church oh, yeah. took over the entire world. And see, that's the thing. If if you kind of look at it and you say, okay, the Catholic Church did this, or the Church of England did this, and this type of stuff, what you're saying is is, and that doesn't have anything to do with actual their actual religious faith. It's it's um, a, a move on behalf of the culture. It's a cultural expression. Yeah, and they use they can use a religion to justify certain things. Oh um, yeah, it, I've, it, I've gotten. Uh, <clears throat> I've gotten myself so far away from um, kind of believing in like a, a set pantheon of gods and kind of uh, worshiping these um, expressions and understanding them. as. So what I would say is um, you ever been in a real good fight where you're, you know, you're, you're fighting somebody and they're, they hit you really, really hard and that fight or flight kicks in and this adrenaline rush and it's very exciting and it's very in the moment and your eyes narrow. 
Mm. You're going through this this uh, this moment here, and I, I believe that all moments like that are um, expressions that when people have um, like you're you're almost in a state of worship at that point in time, worshiping a war god, or you're you know, um, and you kind of feel that adrenaline rush. It's almost um, beyond human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's like you're it's drawing from another area. Yeah, it's something that oh, when you're in the room when a baby's born, you know, you, you kind of feel this. It's an outside of a normal human experience. Um, I, I feel the same sensation whenever I go deer hunting and I, I um, get to kill a deer. Um, I have this uh, this sensation that is very um, outside of my normal human experience, which I believe is an expression of, of a godlike experience, like a deity's there with me when these types of things happen. Right. So I have kind of uh, taken to worshiping those kinds of aspects of life. I love a big storm, man. I like to go outside when there's a big storm. Uh, mm. The uh, big snowstorm uh, mm. last year that was spread all the way across the United States is 80 miles long, you know, had seven inches of snowfall. I was outside for a good half hour, just like standing underneath this enormous cloud. It was like I was in a cathedral or something like that. So. Um, I've taken to, as far as my uh, religious faith goes, and we, we kind of talked about, um, uh, you know, it being theater as far as ritual goes. <clears throat> and um, I believe that as far as uh, talking about and kind of uh, exploring some psychological aspects of it, um, reading some stuff by like Carl Jung and stuff like that, where you look at uh, your ego your id, your superego, and uh, your id being, you know, just impulse, whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your superego being, you know, that which you aspire to, which, you know, you kind of look up to, and your ego being the kind of mix between the two. Yep. And uh, kind of understanding that what ritual is, is you're encouraging yourself to take a break between your impulse and where your ego can process what it is that you're wanting to happen, then you can make those decisions in the future based off of what you should be doing. Um, it's something that I uh, try to do when I control things, like when I want to have a cigarette or something like that, when I want to stop and buy a you know, pack of smokes or something, sit in the car and tell myself, you know, isn't this, isn't this funny that your body is sitting here trying to tell you to go in here and do this and have this conversation with kind of like a higher self and kind of, you know, uh, make fun of, the, the lesser person who, who, you know, can't control this impulse. And it kind of helps me go on. But I believe, you know, ritual reinforces these thought processes to interrupt that. Um, and I feel like that's kind of putting into words what's what's happening there. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's it's the, the psychodrama, as, uh, well, as yeah. Le, mm -hmm. LeVay puts it, the psychodrama, the, yeah. the yeah. ritual chamber, wherever you go to have ritual, you, as a human being, no matter what you're doing, is routine is ritual so if every day yeah. you wake up at 5 a.m well why well it's just my routine yeah but why yeah. well i can't function without mm -hmm. it okay well add a religious aspect to that and it's mm -hmm. now ritual yeah. you know yeah. it's mm -hmm. it's the same thing because that's what we as as animals humans thrive on ritual and routine and mm -hmm. when we get to a point where we are trying to be reverent to and and I, and I, would, I don't want to i guess i don't want to say supernatural um, mm -hmm. but like, I, I like, I like metaphysical because, you know, science, yeah. science has proven that mm -hmm. there are sounds that we cannot hear. There yeah. are, uh, 
wavelengths of light that we cannot see. So yeah, our immediate surroundings, there are things that our animals can see that we cannot. Yeah, and no, reality itself is wildly different from what we're actually perceiving all the time. I've got to go plug my fucking computer in. Being out in this cold <laughs> is killing that battery like crazy, so i got to go. Hopefully I can do it without a, ma- a wild Magnus appearing. Um, you can uh, r- ramble on that for a moment while I uh, uh, mute myself and uh, go get set up, so hold on one moment. Okay, yep. Um, so... Uh, some of the stuff, like I said, uh, we've been talking about with uh, metaphysical processes and um, how one kind of controls those uh, id, ego, superego, um, controlling your own will, you know, and that's kind of the whole basics of magic working or, or whatever is kind of using your will to make things happen in the universe and nothing happens without you know, somebody's will being involved. There's no such thing as invention or, or creativity without somebody willing it into existence. So if people are able to do these types of things and gain full control over their will, and I feel like that's important because, you know, a lot of people feel like they have a handle on things uh, whenever actually you look at it and say you can't even control small, minor aspects of your life. Um, you can't... Uh, help yourself uh, do whatever you need to do, break addiction or, you know, make the, make the best life for yourself. If you're not even able to do that, how do you fully expect to bend the universe to your will? If you can't uh, control your own self, which is, uh, you know, with that understanding going forward, the hard work comes uh, from trying to control yourself. And so that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's and that's that's totally an understandable thing. Like um, the the will, and and that's part of the ritual thing is pouring your will into stuff and like. Yep. Um, it all seems it, to be an exercise of controlling yourself. Yeah, and then you give reverence to something that, and that's the gift for yep. a gift. The reverence you mm-hmm. give, the gift of your will, your energy, and you're yep. expecting certain. Um, <sighs> attributes or qualities or just even favor um and and it's it's the same thing with the christian's prayer so we we say ritual Mm -hmm. and then you know people in the christian faith think that they don't have rituals well mass is definitely a ritual but prayer is a ritual you prayer baptism communion um foot washing that was another big thing like we used to do foot washing ceremonies what a weird one that one's the that would that would turn yeah. a lot of people off. A lot of people just stopped. They're like, "Nope, no yeah, William Brandon enough. for me." <laughs> that's enough for me, guys. <laughs> Thank like, you out. so much. Talking yeah, about touching I feet. Would, I'd rather go to hell. <laughs> yep. It's like William Brandon said, "Oh, you got to wash the feet." Someone's like, "Well, hell for me." <laughs> yeah, that is is uh, sorry, sir. What you're promising is not for me. Yeah, but. Yeah, so that was uh, like I said, we do we do foot washing ceremony, we did baptism, we did full immersion baptism, which uh, I guess was apparently important for some reason. Um, they would, uh, we'd always, and I remember there were times we'd go down to uh, the lake and um, we would have to break the ice to get people in there to baptism in the uh, to baptize them in the uh, winter time. No fucking kidding. <laughs> Yep, yep. They'd have to go and uh, break the ice sheet, and uh, so we can go down in there and uh, you know dunk them, dunk them real good for the Lord. 
Well, you know, when you think that the the end of time is coming, it, it's it, it's imminent. At any moment, it's going to yeah, happen. Any then, yeah. then you can't waste time. You can't wait for spring. Yeah, you got to no, you got to no, go dunk was, those bastards right now. Yeah, yeah. You had to, and then you had to have it, you know, to to get in. If something would happen, you know, God forbid, you'd die on your way for baptism. All that was for naught. Yeah, they they even think that about <laughs> um, babies. There there are people, and I don't know if you know. The, the message church did, but there are people yeah. who feel the same way about like babies that uh, because the, of the original sin that they can't get into heaven. So it's like, what a weird, interesting thing. That, that's an interesting phrase. What is the original sin? You know, I feel like the way, so the way it has been represented to me, the way I understand it, it is mm-hmm. the fact that you are born of um, sex. The fact okay. that your, your birth involved sin because yes, Prior to the the you know the tree of knowledge the the fruit uh-huh. of good and evil whatever for Eve fucked everything up uh, yeah they they got to blame it on the woman didn't they got have to you know um, yeah <laughs> subjugation of women was a huge part of it bro huge, real, not even that huge. like you don't even like understand like with within the message like that was part of like your training as a man to keep your wife under control what. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they they were super, uh, and they were racist too. Um, no, um, uh, no inner inner race marriage, no inner race dating, anything like that. That was to be avoided. Um, they were uh, women were to be under the husband. Uh, they were that was that was their place. Um, they didn't allow any kind of women to speak in church, like preach or anything like that. Yeah, that's. That is kind of it's 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 weird to hear about in the nineties that happening, you know? Cause yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You didn't. It's oh, so yeah, weird. You were so out of the nineties. It's so weird. I, I I went down to this woman's. Oh yeah, no, completely miss all of it. The the music, the politics, all of it. None of it. None of it touched me. Um, I went to. Uh, there was a lady. She, uh, her, and her husband and their kids. They moved into a, this little shitty trailer down at the down the road from where we lived. And one day, it was during the summertime, we'd like to walk down to uh, get some food from the local dairy bar down there. It was not far from the house, about three quarters of a mile. So we walked down there to get some food, and we stopped by uh, their house while they, we were en route. And her husband had padlocked her into the trailer uh, to where her and her kids couldn't get out at all. That Was, was that a member of the church? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a member of the church. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, I know. The, and those trailers that catch fire, they're gone in minutes. Dude, it's so fast. Yeah, it is It is so fast. So this dude, he left and padlocked his wife and kids in the trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's some yep. serial killer shit, bro. Yeah. And uh, there was, you know, like I said, it, that was, it wasn't all like that. But, you know, obviously, you know, some husbands were a little more understanding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he padlocked her, he padlocked her ass into the, the trailer there. And I remember her talking through the window and it was, it was all kind of brushed off almost like with a, oh, well, you know, that's crazy. And, you know, we went about our, our business. But now looking back as the kind of, rational adult that I am now, I'd have been like, we're breaking you out of there, then we're going to the police. Right. Like, this is a a terrible, terrible crime. You could have died from this. Yeah, that, yeah, now you'd be like, oh, oh, your husband did that. Okay, hey, 911. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I need I, I would call nine one one before I got her out just so they could come there and see it. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah. she couldn't so she couldn't argue us and, and come to his defense, you know, that's a that's a terrible problem and you know, you, you yeah. don't want to victim blame or anything like that, but but they don't uh, a lot of times they don't follow through and a lot of bad things happen. Yeah, they'll call. He's got a gun and threaten to kill me. Cops get there like, don't you take Daryl. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, them bastards are taking daddy. Yeah. Look at him. Look at him, yeah. bubby. They're taking daddy from you. It's like, Mom, didn't you call the cop? Don't you yeah, talk you to me like you, that. Yeah, don't you back talk me, you little shit. Smack. Get yourself yeah. back in that room. I'm going to padlock you in there. Exactly. Just, just like there, your daddy you know. taught me. <laughs> I was, I was, I was fortunate, um, for, you know, my father, he was, uh, pretty level headed. Uh, we got spanked, you know what I mean? But it wasn't anything that I would uh, call abusive as far as that goes. Now, I believe there was something that was abusive about the kind of religious trauma aspect of it. So, um, um being that this was a, 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 now, okay. So being that this was a cult, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, the one cult thing that always happens you haven't mentioned is that the prophet took all the women for himself and it was a big sex thing. Was was this yeah. was that present in this or that, that was not? He 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 was he seemed to at least to the the general public and I've not heard any kind of uh, reference since because like I said I, I've done research into it since then to try to understand it myself because. I never looked at it through the lens of an adult. I never had the chance to sit and kind of look at it comparing to my own life experiences and go, well, this is complete bullshit. By the time I had stopped believing in that or stopped, I guess, kind of thinking about it as much as I did, um, it just kind of faded away into the background. So I was like, man, I, I remember like having coloring books of this man, you know? Yeah. And so I started doing some, some research and, you know, some, some memories started, kind of flooding back and started putting pieces together to, to look at it all. But yeah, it is still, uh, the message church is still a prevalent thing. Um, it is particularly, um, prevalent Holy in Africa. Shit. They uh, have a website, dude. I'm just looking it up. There's Branham.org. Uh, yeah. voice of God recordings, voice of God recordings in Jeffersonville, Indiana. We used to take these pilgrimages to Jeffersonville, Indiana. And that's where William Branham was based out of. And we would travel there, and he's got um, the voice of God, uh, the, the church that's there. I remember going to this church and um, where William Branham's church was, and, man, it was just this whole kind of, like, reverent thing. And his, he's got this really uh, uh, a grave that's a pyramid shape. He, he, oh, and that was another kind of metaphysical thing that he believed in, that there was something uh, to pyramids. But um, we would uh, go to Jeffersonville, Indiana. We'd go to the Voice of God Recording Studios, and we'd go in there, and they'd show us. They'd, all, you know, of course, always give us a tour and stuff like that, and we'd get to see uh, all William Branham stuff. But they have a real setup, man. I mean, like, we're talking millions of books, and uh, they publish all his um, sermons on uh, paper. Millions of books and recordings get sent out every year, still to this day. Uh, I can see it. You can buy the Cub Corner uh, magazine for the kids. Um, yeah. This is wild, dude. This, this, it's international. Yeah, you said it's big in Africa? Yeah, huge in Africa. That's terrible. Yeah, huge in Africa. See, William Branham, he went, um, he did a huge tour. Like I said, he was, you know, a rock star. He went to, uh, uh, he went to England and Africa and explored kind of, uh, 
overseas a lot, did a, a bunch of big uh, crusades, I guess you could call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a bunch of crusades overseas. And, uh, yeah, he was he was huge there for a while. And like I said, uh, now you look back at it and see that every single person that he prayed for healing that was supposedly healed in his uh sermon came back to say once interviewed that uh, they weren't really healed and some of them actually ended up dying some short time after his uh, uh, as his alleged healings um, just a bunch of things like that that you kind of find start coming to light and then you know now 35 year old me looks at it and goes yeah well no bullshit you know I mean, <laughs> right that's yeah. <laughs> you know like but at the time you know the adults in your life were saying this is what's happening you know yeah six-year-old you was like oh my goodness he's a superhero and then you get up there and like oh it wasn't true oh big fucking shock that is <laughs> yeah and for real like he he was a superhero man because and he he always portrayed and it's funny because like all the message people had this same kind of um uh world view as far as stuff went they were um very uh masculine i wouldn't say you know like a real kind of like toxic way you know but they were they were all masculine they all liked um hunting fishing that kind of stuff right so um he was william branham tells this tale that when he was (laughs) excuse me when he was a kid um his father died when he was young and he was him and his brother they had to hunt trap and fish just to feed their family for all these years and stuff when in actuality his father didn't die until he was like 19 years old and he moved to jeffersonville indiana when he was like six which at the time a lot of people don't know this but jeffersonville indiana was referred to as little chicago because it was a huge gambling town um there was uh the kkk was heavily involved there um, they did a lot of, uh, it was during Prohibition era, yeah. so they did a lot of stuff that was uh, moonshine running and stuff. And uh, Brandon, his uh, uh, dad ended up getting arrested or something like that and put in jail for running shine. And uh, when Brandon was sick, he was he, when he was younger, he got sick with, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he was hospitalized and his family couldn't afford the bills. So the uh, actual local... Uh, uh, Ku Klux Klan stepped in and uh, fitted the bill for him, and he never forgot that. And the man ended up having ties to the the KKK that no one ever really kind of talked about. And I re- even like remember him like this being referenced on rare occasion that you know in one of his sermons he talks about the Ku Klux Klan. So like as you were saying that, I was just on his Wikipedia, and I was I was just about to say talk about that, and you start saying how he got sick. He was fourteen. Um, it was yeah. a firearm incident. He was shot in both legs at age of 14. That's, yeah, that's what it was. He was shot. Yeah. So later in life, as late as 1963, he's quoted yeah. as saying, the Ku Klux Klan paid the hospital for me. I can never forget them. See, no matter what they do or what, I still, there is something, and that stays with me. Well, it sounded like listening to Joe yeah, Biden see, there for a second. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> listen, you have to, you have to like, you can get online and listen to this man's sermons. And the way he talks is a very interesting way. He is a very captivating speaker, though reading it, it's difficult because he has a, he has a weird cadence to his voice. Yeah. So you have to kind of catch the, the pauses and stuff just right, you know. Um, but he, uh, so, he tells tells us uh, this, these stories of hunting, fishing, trapping, and he grows up and he moves out west, which he actually did. He he moved out west and <clears throat> uh, uh, lived there for a while. Uh, he was uh, a hunter and a, a, a guide, and so he had this whole kind of I don't know 
Theodore Roosevelt thing going for him, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so that was something that, you know, when I was growing up, that was, oh, man, that was the big appeal for me. Oh, I wanted to hunt. I wanted to fish. I wanted to, to do these types of things because William Branham done them, and he was, you know, supposedly very good at these things. And uh, he did. He traveled all over the world. And, like, here's the thing. Like, um, one of the big things was um, men can't wear shorts, right? Because he would say that's what homosexuals would do. Okay. Um, homosexuals wear shorts. That's his sissies was was the the word uh, he he used, but that's what he was he was referring to. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were pictures of him, you know, on safari in Africa, and dude would be rocking shorts, you know, and like <laughs> see, seeing these things, and you're just like, it's so crazy that he lived this kind of like life outside of this. Uh, incredible persona that everyone believed and all you have to do is just look just even the slightest little bit to see through the kind of uh, fog and stuff that he was laying in front of everybody so I'm actually here let me see if I can pull one of these up Um, let's see here let's go with Perseverance it's a great song by Hatebreed let's see if we can hear his speech in there see if I got this what is it going to play? This is, this is one that was done in Phoenix. So. Greetings to this fine audience okay. here tonight. Sister Webster and Brother Green. I don't know if you can hear it. All the audience, the members no, of this I can't hear it. assembly. Okay, it's, it's always a privilege for me to come to the house. You know what? Yeah, hold no, on, I can't. Hold on, hold on, actually. Actually, let's see here. Okay, so if you view my screen, can you do that? I just shared my screen now. I know you're on your phone, so I don't know if you can do that or not. Let's see. I know you lost your computer. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Did you uh, Did you ever get your computer uh, fixed or replaced? No, I may have lost you. House of the Lord. And then tonight to be back again in one of the four square churches of his. I remember years ago when I first came to Los Angeles, I'd heard of Sister McPherson. But she had done climb the golden stairs before I... Uh, become in the way. And when I went to Los Angeles the first time, I went up to Forest Lawn. I heard she was buried up there. And I went up and stood by her grave and bowed my head, gave thanks to God for a noble life. Since then, I have... Did poor old Noah about how much fun he was missing and other world and the things that's going on? But Noah, still persistent, held right on. One day God said to Noah, All right, you've done your part now. Now come into the ark. So I don't I don't know if you're you may need to reconnect. See if I can pause this. 
Okay. So. Um, yep, yeah, that was that was a little audio of the prophet himself. Um, very persuasive speaker. I'll give him that. Um, yeah, I mean it's all all ridiculous, but it's uh, it sounds really good. Um, he was really uh, always talked about as being this ultimate kind of uh, gentle soul. You know, what I mean, he was he's very soft spoken and very you know, kind of sweet nature to be around, I guess. I mean, you know, if, if with what he was trying to preach with what he wanted, it would behoove him mm-hmm. to be that way. You know, you, with mm-hmm. the way he was doing it, you yeah. wouldn't want to be a Kenneth Copeland. Yeah. No, know, no. Which I don't know how that did attracts people. It is the cra- He is so scary. I just can't get over that. Oh yeah, no, and the man has. I mean, just an enormous following too, and, and just you know millions of dollars coming every every year, and he's a total creep. Yeah. So you know, great racket. I would I would do it. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I guess dude, dude's got all them uh, them private jets. Yeah, because he doesn't want to ride in a tube full of demons. Yeah, I mean, you've got to look at uh, coming from William Branham. You start getting into like Billy Graham, where they start talking about uh, you give to the Lord, and the Lord's going to give back. Uh, you're going to get, you know, prosperity preaching. They they call it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you tithe. You're going to get back all this money, and oh, the Lord's going to bless you abundantly. And it's like the uh, the Wiccan threefold law. What what you do comes back to you threefold so yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. they kind of it's such a weird cognate for them really but um yeah so i mean you grew up in this way where you were disconnected like we said you missed the yeah. 90s pretty much lived through it and missed it like so you didn't see space jam you don't yeah. uh you know well, i i got i got to see i got to see space jam there there were there it was funny because there were there were some times when um, things were a little bit more lax. They they were um, easier on us than some of the other message children had to had to deal with. Um, of course, my grandfather he was always uh, sneaking around. He'd come pick us up and take him take us to his house to to spend the night and let us watch stuff like Terminator Two or something. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, uh, I, I did have I did have one person in my life for real that was. Uh, my grandfather, he was not a religious person. I never heard him talk religion. It, and anytime I tried to, like when I was a kid, you know, you're supposed to witness, you know, you, you'd bring up anything to, to my grandfather and he, he'd get very kind of uh, odd about it, you know, didn't want to talk about it. So um, he would, uh, he, he did some things I feel like to kind of keep me uh, a little more grounded than what some of the other kids in the message um, experienced. And you did see a lot of um, instances of uh, abuse that was going on. Um, well, you know, sure they padlocked their families and houses, so... Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you, you get that, and, you know, I mean, it was spare the rods, pull the child, man. Well, and, you know, but honestly, kids, but... <laughs> like, wh- who among us hasn't padlocked their family into a house? You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, yeah, throw the first stone, you know Right, I mean? yeah. <laughs> you <gotta laughs> yeah. Exactly. Sometimes they just need to be taught where they belong, you know? It's, it, it's exactly. at home. Stay there. I'm, yeah. I'll go yes, out in geez. dangers of the world, and I'll handle this. You stay at home. 
You know, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I'm, too, I'm too afraid the the men out there will find your denim skirt irresistible. <laughs> your your denim <laughs> skirt and your 15 your, foot long ponytail and yeah, exactly. Um, Six the weird, inches of dead dead ends on the end yeah, of your hair. Your weird manner of speaking because you sound like yeah. you're trying to sound Amish, but you're doing a bad job at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just <laughs> that drives yeah, the men it. wild. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in that water cooler talk, you, you know absolutely nothing about the outside world. You can't talk movies, <laughs> TVs. None you of see the game last night? Oh, no, there are no games. No, it is all no, about the no Lord. Movies. Did yeah, you witness to uh, the Lord last night? <laughs> yeah, did you listen to the prophet last night? I think did, not. Yeah. Sinner. 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 <laughs> Be gone, Sinner. thought. That was, the, that was where it came from, the message church. <laughs> exactly. That was, that that was that a was... direct quote from William Branham. <laughs> yeah, be gone thought. Yeah. yeah. William Branham, circa nineteen sixty two. I want to get it tattooed. <laughs> yeah. And I mean I mean like the lines of the 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 lines of reasoning that go through stuff and how they kind of describe things and it, it's weird like um the uh the preacher that uh, started the Azusa Street uh, preacher there there was uh, he was blind in one eye so whenever he would pray he'd put his face into a shoebox and pray in that uh, way no one could see uh, his kind of one one eye <clears throat> and so there was believed to be some sort of uh, spiritual symbolism to the fact that uh, couldn't, the vehicle you, couldn't was he just close his fucking eyes like what on earth I don't know bro I don't know a shoebox, yay! That's a fetish. Yeah. He had yeah. a fetish. You know, it's it's what. Yeah, he's getting a big, yeah, big sniffer of him. I mean, it was um, San Francisco too. So, yeah, San Francisco, nineteen oh four, something like that. Wild times, man. Yeah, wild times. But yeah, this this dude was the one that started this whole belief that because. At a certain point in time, people did not believe in speaking in tongues. That is a recent development. That was not something that um, people did, um, but it was in the Bible. So there was a group of people that believed there was going to come a time when these spiritual gifts um, that were spoken about in the Bible, which was speaking in tongues, prophesying, dreaming, all, all these types of things that were supposed to be uh, signs of having a spiritual gift, we're supposed to reestablish the um, themselves amongst the the church folks, and they believe that this Azusa Street uh, incidents was when that happened, and that's when people began speaking in tongues again. Yeah, the the speaking in tongues thing is a is a unique one. I uh, I knew this girl in high school who, yeah. you know, it's. I guess the way they talk about it is like the oh, the spirit is supposed to fill you and move you and speak through you and there's supposed to be an interpreter and yada yada. But this girl, uh, an ambulance passed and all of a sudden she's like a shabba la and I'm like, what oh, yeah, like, the like, fuck was yeah, that? Like, just turn it turn it on as some sort of you know. Yeah, like like yeah. it's you know like like an incantation like. Like yeah, uh, uh-huh. like she's doing an incantation right there, and so it's like, oh, we we speak in tongues. I'm like, that yeah. even in high school, I'm like, that's that's not how that's supposed to work. No, dude. Yeah, like <laughs> no, like yeah, and and I mean that was, and you you were to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So there were a couple things that had to happen. You had to pray until you're filled with the Holy Ghost, with evidence of some sort of spiritual gift, being speaking in tongues or, or mm. whatever it may be. Um. So you had to uh, be filled with the Holy Ghost, which is actual actual thing that had to happen to you. And you had to go uh, be baptized. 
in order to be um, fully uh, redeemed. And then from there, you had to, of course, there were other uh, rituals that you had to routinely engage in. For example, I mentioned com- or, uh, communion and um, uh, foot washing. And, you know, there were times that y- you, you go to church enough, absurd things happen. People fall and get hurt or some sort of blooper occurs. You know what I mean? So, like, my memory is filled. Like, when I look back and it's like the funny things that happened to me in my life are all some sort of, like, church blooper or something, you know before the year 2000 or 2000, probably 2001, 2002. It's crazy. Like you, you barely knew of the world at a time yeah. before nine 11. Like, yeah, yeah. cause I talk about my kids. Like they, they, they came up through school, Columbine and nine 11 have already happened. Like they don't know anything outside of that life. So for you, you really don't know much about, uh, the, the world at large, um, yeah. prior to those events as well. And yeah, I'm sure Columbine was of... huge in your guys' uh, way. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that went off in your church. <clears throat> I remember when Columbine happened. Um, <clears throat> it was on the news and stuff like that, but um, it wasn't really something, like I said, that we talked about a lot because actual world events, like things like that weren't something that really got discussed because it was outside of the scope of what we were trying to achieve. Um, so like with the Y2K thing though, there was a particular uh, reason for that being was there was a, uh, a prophecy that uh, William Branham made that said that there was I'm paraphrasing here that there was no way that Christ was going to wait until the year 2000 at least. You know, so I, we I do. I remember that stuff too. I, it, it's kind of yep. weird. Some of the, cause the way that when I was, and I went to a Pentecostal church, um, yeah. by mm-hmm. choice, my, my family <laughs> on my dad's side, they were, uh, Nazarene. But then when I okay. was going to church on my own, like my family didn't, I did. I went with some friends of mine. It was Pentecostal, but I remember having fears mm-hmm. that like 2000 was going to be it. Like, because if we're, if I'm yeah. looking back, like, Leading up to that, you know, Twister mm-hmm. came out because there were so yeah. many strong, like devastating tornadoes happening during then. And I remember, that was like, a fine, bro. I know, dude. It was a great time, yeah. especially for people who like storms. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I remember like fearing that, and I would have like what I guess some people would say like prophetic dreams or. Um, I, I, like I don't know how to explain. So let me tell you this dream I had, right? Yeah. And you'll see, and yeah. you can tell me how you feel about it. And according to like the message church, this dream I had was mm-hmm. that the world was ending. It was going to end in yeah. flame, and the old yeah. Bob Evans church, the old Bob Evans church, the old Bob Evans uh, farmstead. <laughs> Back when the original was that, I would too, buddy. I worship <laughs> worship at the altar of Bob right now, dude. Oh yeah, turkey, turkey and stuffing. Oh boy, um, I like their uh, steak and eggs breakfast, man. Good, I God. love that too. Yeah. It's you know, yeah. tell me a Bob Evans food you don't like. That's that's a quicker one, right? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. It's none exactly. of them. I love them all. Bob Evans yeah. is the shit. Our conversation over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> but so they had the original farmstead there, and that was. To, it was such like a, it's weird to say a holy place, but like my grandma took us there. My childhood yeah. was like centered around there, uh, down a right yeah, way. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, 
so in this dream, like you had to be within the because it was wiped it was wiped out like evil had yeah. taken over wars and stuff had broken out so the bob evans restaurant was no longer there but like the ruins were and my grandma was inside of it my brothers were inside of it and i was trying desperately to get my uh my mom and my stepdad to and my, my, my little sister was inside there too i i don't even think you knew mm-hmm. i had a little sister but um she she was in there too, and so I was trying to get my mom and my stepdad to like to convert to just believe and come inside because yeah, that was please. where you were going to be safe, you know. Because yeah. I was tasked <laughs> with going to the top of the hill and yeah. lighting the it was like there's this tall blade of grass, right? And uh-huh. I was supposed to go up and light it, and when it burnt down, when mm-hmm. it hit that was going to be the cleansing fire to cleanse the earth of all wickedness and evil. And if you weren't in the designated safe zones, and for me, my area was that place. And it was just, it was just me, my, my, my siblings and my grandma. That was the only people I could get to go inside there to believe me to stay safe. But I had to light that fire. And then I had to, and it was my atonement was to, I had to earn my spot in there by making it back before the um, the world was cleansed with flame. So, like that was the dream I had, and I remember it scared the yeah. life out of me, dude. Like, is yeah. that is that similar to what stuff that like you would have happened? Yeah, um, there there were um, there were. It was funny because they had actual th- events that were were supposed to happen leading up to it. He made he made. Um, uh, it's funny because like some of them are, are kind of coming true, but he made um, uh, references to self-driving vehicles. He said that um, you know the the actual end is going to come around the time that self-driving vehicles begin to become developed. And I remember seeing you know years ago uh, people talking about technology like that you know coming out, but you know they actually have things like that now. I know um, it's weird, isn't it? It is. Um, so that was one thing. There was another thing that there was going to be a major earthquake that would cause California to fall into the ocean. Yeah, that didn't happen. That was, we were all sold that uh, one. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. And now you kind of like look at that and be like, yeah, like California could have a huge earthquake. There could be flooding, uh, tsunamis, tidal waves, but it's not like it's just floating on the side of the uh, United States where it could just like crack off and sink into the sea or anything. You know, it's, it's not built like that, but unfortunately that happened yeah California was supposed to crack off and, and fall into the sea and that was going to cause a uh, major tidal wave that was going to destroy a large portion of the United States and ultimately um, there was going to be the kind of uh, uh, tribulation period uh, where those um, non-believers um, have continued on into uh, basically a, a life after uh the uh, rapture, okay. um, the, you know, the, the calling up of, of God's chosen. Yeah. And uh, there was uh, another event that was supposed to happen was there was supposed to be a uh, nuclear weapon that was supposed to be um, aimed towards Israel and it was supposed to be uh, discharged towards Israel uh, that was going to actually be um, initiated by the Pope. The Pope was going to do something that was going to cause a a nuclear attack on um, Israel. God would defend Israel and cause these nuclear weapons to fall upon the Vatican. 
Man, that is so reminiscent of the Left Behind series. Have you ever watched those? Yeah, because of Left Behind. A lot of like modern day stuff. And see, that's funny because like whenever you mentioned um, Original Sin, this is um, William Branham was um, credited with coming up with the idea of the Serpent Seed Doctrine. Have you ever heard of it? Nope. The Serpent Seed Doctrine states that whenever Eve was approached by the serpent in the Bible, he looked more like a human being, something like a missing link. He was attractive. He was something pretty to look upon. Uh-huh. He wasn't a snake. He was a serpent, which was that was a different kind of thing. Yeah. So um, he would uh, he approached Eve and uh, had intercourse with her. Okay. And. Um, she became pregnant with Cain. Mm, and the serpent seed. That, okay. That is the serpent. So so as God's punishment, um, Adam and Eve, they get kicked out of the garden. And the serpent, he even says, he, you know, I curse you upon your belly and the dust of the earth shall you eat all the days of your life. Um, that that is, you know, some sort of literary proof that the serpent was an upright creature. Had a uh, sexual tryst with Eve, and that the whole idea of the uh, the tree and the the garden, uh, the the fruit of uh, knowledge of good and evil, that's all metaphor for yeah, a yeah, metaphor um, and euphemism for um, yeah, carnal knowledge. For, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, that Eve had sex with a uh, um, uh, the, basically it was it was uh, Satan himself that was here on Earth under the uh, guise of this beautiful creature that was the serpent. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, great theory. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's just as plausible as the other. Yeah, like that's, that is, it is one that yeah, I, I can see why someone would think that, you know, like, and, yep. and, and yep. preach that. Oh, so. and, that, and, and the, um, the, uh, the sons of Cain saw the, the daughters of man or something along those lines. But that, what that means was, um, that Cain, um, him having that uh, serpent uh, genetic DNA as he went and had um, passed his lineage down through uh, the daughters that descended from Abel, or not from Abel because Abel didn't have any children, but from mm-hmm. Eve, Adam and Eve's other children, that um, that caused the uh, the birthing of the giants that uh, the family of giants that Goliath came from. Now, I also. Um believe i was reading and i and i may just be wrong but uh i feel like if you follow the um bloodline of cain that he is an ancestor (laughs) to jesus if i remember correctly um he had um Let's see here. There was uh, some really interesting. Have you ever heard of Tubal Cain? I uh, just just saw his name just now. I have heard of him before, but I just now saw his name. I have seen um, he is referenced in the Bible as being one of the descendants of Cain, and he is um, because of how it references him. There are people that actually worship him as a deity, as the um, um, a godlike uh, person that has brought. Um, the skill of blacksmithing to mankind. Yep, that's what I was reading just now, yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I took a uh, 
like I said, going going back on this William Branham stuff, doing my research and things like that, Kane became an interesting character for me because a lot of uh, stuff kind of revolves around Kane that kind of makes me question certain things. Um, Kane not understanding that murder was a bad thing because I don't know that anyone would have ever taught him, you know, that. Um, Did they have the you know precedent too at that time? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll see. They had the knowledge of good and evil. But what's interesting is you look at Cain. um, God gives Cain the mark of Cain, Uh right? Do you know about that? I was looking at it right now, but I the so the part of it that I know honestly is from Supernatural. So okay, so um, Cain kills Abel. God comes to him and confronts him, and um, God says go out, get out of here, go out into the world, and uh, you're never going to find peace all the days of your life. And Cain says the most interesting thing. He says, uh, God, whenever I go out there, whenever I um, anybody I come across, they're going to know what I did, and they're going to kill me, right? Mm-hmm. There was no one else in the world. It should have been Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Who are these other people that he's talking about? And God, well, yeah, they said he Cain. says go to and 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 Cain went out to the other people of the world. Yes, and Cain and God gives Cain this mark, this mark that says he can never die. No one can ever kill Cain. Yeah, and so he sends him out into this world, and it's so funny because like the whole argument being is you look at it and it's, it's created because you know obviously. Uh, uh, they call them Branhamites or, uh, you know, the, the message, the church, the bride, things like that. But the, the message people, um, they are um, heavily creationists. So Adam and Eve were the first two people and centered from them came everyone else. But the, if you're reading Genesis, there were other people in the world uh, that Cain was afraid of. Yeah. like And, and that's where he found a wife. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, he found it amongst the other people of the world because it says mm-hmm. it in, in Genesis. I've said that, too, that, like, when when I – because I decided one time uh, several years ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just read this book, and I'm going to read it as a book. I'm going to just yes. read it, you know? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I started, and I got yeah, I got into Genesis. I'm like, there's so much to unpack here. Like, I have a bit of a theory about it. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Okay, so I, I think that if you look at it, and I haven't done enough research into this, it's a hypothesis, and I feel like if you look into it, other people may have even touched on this. But the whole story of uh, God's creation, uh, Garden of Eden story, is um, referencing um, the start of an early pantheon of gods. Adam and Eve being other gods, um, Cain and Abel to be other gods, right? But they got kicked out of their um, kingdom. If, if you want to reference Mount Olympus, say, for example, it'd be like Zeus giving birth to Apollo and Athena and then them doing something that he didn't like and then him kicking them out so they have to suffer amongst the men on Earth. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I've actually kind of thought of that myself as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. in, in also that the Christian pantheon, they already had other gods. And I, yes. if you, it's probably, you got to go back into like Jewish mythologies and stuff, but you um, do yeah. in the, that's really been abandoned a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it had this, um, when, when they ate of the tree of knowledge, it yeah. God, God says uh, they the humans have become as one of us, and has knowledge 
like us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm like, who's us? Become one of us? What do you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God says, let us make man in our own image. Yeah. Our own image. Let us make man. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of people um, say that he's using it in the, like the royal we, as in the king of England would say, we, we are not pleased. today. Yeah. Yeah, Something like like that. But I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just being overlooked because the, uh, um, the, the God of Abraham, the Abraham of God said that he, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, Mm -hmm. what, now, does that mean there are no other gods? Because if there are no other gods, he yeah. would not need to worry about you putting them before him. Meaning, no, no. And I are, need to be um, first and foremost. I yeah. am the high god. I am the god. Everyone else yeah. is below me. And, you know, so, you know, if you really read it and, like, objectively look at it, it's yeah. it's mm-hmm. right there that there are other gods. So it kind of yeah. kind of leads to this, you know, the the demigod type thing. Yeah, were Adam True. and Eve like you said? Were they the uh, um, gods on Earth? Were they? Yeah, exactly. You know, demigods. They uh, kicked out of some sort of paradise, you know, to to be loved to this god who was lonely or something like that, and they did him dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like, everyone keeps leaving me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like you pricks. Yeah. Um, oh, you fuckers. You fuckers. You <laughs> did me good this time. <laughs> but then, but then he's supposed to be, you know, omniscient, omnipotent. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's like, well, he knows yeah. all. Like, okay. And it's funny because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of scholar, scholarly type work that's been done in, in to in regards to all these other gods and stuff like that. And you look at Martin Luther. Um, have you ever heard of Martin Luther? Yeah. The Protestant the, uh, Reformation. Protestant, yeah. The 90, yeah, yeah, was exactly. it the 96 thesis, right? 96 thesis. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so this guy comes along and he says, listen, Catholic church is uh, screwing you guys over. They're telling you it's much harder than it actually is. This is all you have to do. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it becomes, all I have to do is repent and be baptized. It kind of evolves itself, right? Uh, for something that's supposed to be an ultimate truth, it, it does evolve throughout even its own kind of like lifetime. But Right. <clears throat> so they take and they kind of cherry pick these, these scriptures to make it, make it feel good. All I got to do is say I'm sorry. And I, ha- I love like... I know some, I have some family members that are live back in the holler, right? Yeah. And they are this, I like, I like this hillbilly Christian that like the only thing that they do this Christian is say that they're Christians. Yeah. They oh, I love absolutely yes. nothing else, but they are hardcore Christians. Like they will go to bat for Christ and, um, they are, uh, um, that's it. They, you know, they're not going to go to church. They're not going to. They don't pray. Uh, they don't. They, they don't, don't tithe. Pray, they don't. Yeah, it's just uh, exactly. Well, it's yeah, I believe in the, the Lord our God, Jesus Christ. Yeah, of course exactly. I do. You you think I want to be one of these godless sinners and go to hell? But I'll yeah, tell you yeah, what, you better get the fuck right on out of here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's 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 the bare minimum that they're willing to do to get themselves some fire insurance. 
Hey, um, dude, that's the best, best, best thing to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that was uh, um, what we would say, you know, people trying to get some uh, fire insurance. Uh, yeah. That's all that they're there for. And that's all that they can. That's all that they can muster. They just want to believe that when they die, there's going to be more. And that they're just like, well, this, I'm hedging my bet. Yeah, that this want, is the I'm right side. Yeah. Yeah, this, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, so these people do this. And I find it such a, a, a ridiculous thing that um, hell that is so controlling and that controls people's way of thinking. And um, it, it keeps them impoverished. Um, and it is just a, they just do it because they're afraid of going to hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, it's so, uh, it's so troubling. Yeah. It's, it's, so there's a, there's like a certain <clears throat> level of Christian that um, I really mm-hmm. enjoy. And there's, there's a few families. There's one family in particular, the wits of uh, uh, the area that I think yeah, are like the perfect uh representation of what uh, a christian should be they're they're strong in their faith they believe in it they live by it they they witness for it they preach but they don't come off as zealots they'll they you know i'm good friends with them they know i'm not a christian and they love me just the same you know i i yeah and that's not even an issue you know not an issue at all and they're like the perfect representation of it so i've I've got uh i've met a few and that's funny because like they are few and far between yeah yes yeah when you you Mm -hmm. find somebody that is uh you know you're just like wow this person almost makes me want to be a christian (laughs) yeah like if you're all like you then this is the way to go for sure yeah for sure yeah yeah. like i feel like real love coming from you you know i mean like uh it's it's great um I've, i've met a few of them in my life and you know uh recently um i just uh left uh my previous job went to new one but a woman i worked with my previous job she was a uh um, a pastor and her husband's a pastor. Um, they're both, I believe that it was Nazarenes. Okay. And, um, I don't want to get too much in, into detail, but this woman had just the absolute most incredible, uh, life, uh, story, just wild things happening. Uh, she, you know, her father was in the military, so she was uh, born and lived in Cuba for a long number of years. She learned to play piano from a Jamaican man that lived in a sunken battleship. And <laughs> this is what this is all this is all true stories. Like there was a Jamaican dude; he lived in a battleship that was shipwrecked on the on the coast of Cuba. That's where this man lived, and he taught her how to play piano. Right when they okay. were living in Cuba. Okay. As she gets older, they come back here to the United States. Her father's working as a small plane pilot and teaches her how to fly when she's like 12 years old. She, flying a plane by herself, wrecks and crashes the plane. Okay. Um, she, she, and I'm like, okay, so you wrecked a plane and survived a crash when you were 12. Okay, I got it. I'm following along now with you. Uh, yeah. You know, like, like you do. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Who again? And, uh, who didn't wreck a plane when they were twelve? Yeah. Come on, that's not that big a deal. <laughs> she was working in the courthouse, and she came outside and uh, found an inmate that had escaped was trying to steal her vehicle, and she fought this man for twelve minutes before someone came and helped her. Was this in Jackson? 
No, no, it was uh, this was a number of years ago where she lived at um, um, well, whatever town she lived at before she came here. But she traveled around a lot okay. uh, when she got married. Her and her uh, husband they were uh, military, and so she got to travel the world. She uh, <clears throat> uh, her one of her kids uh, ran off and. Uh, ran away from home. They had no idea. They came to pick her up from school uh, at college, and she was gone, and they didn't hear from her for a full year. And she tracks down and finds out that she's living at some kind of like commune, right? Like you do. And yeah, and this woman goes by herself. So so she finds out because someone that they know sees their kid inside of a store and follows them back to this commune and lets them know. Right. So... Yeah, she goes rolling her ass out there to just let her kid know exactly how she feels about the situation. Because, I mean, she's an adult, so she could do whatever she wanted to do. But she uh, she found her after a year and went out and gave her a piece of her mind. I'm like, that's brave. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, you this, know, this woman is courageous. A commune could easily be a cult. <laughs> and, yeah, you yeah, know, you can be the, the next one on the slab, right? Know. They could have been cannibals. They were there buying yeah, vegetables you, to go in a cannibal soup. You never know. One hundred, yeah, absolutely. It could have been anything, for yeah. real. But she's like, you know um, what? I'm going to go out there and tell these people, "Fuck you" to their face. And she is the most soft-spoken and sweetest woman, and she is just Jesus is always behind everything that she does she is a real true uh christian and just i'm like that is just you know you come across some of them and that's like that's just the most incredible life and but, she makes me want to go start going back to church yeah like i love her like she's she's fantastic yeah, yeah absolutely um yeah she is uh just uh, the kindest person i've ever met that's yeah it's and it's it's so weird that like but there are zealots of everything dude and What's the funniest thing is that, like, the, some of the most insufferable religious people are atheists. They're, it's, oh, yeah. They're, oh, yeah. Atheism, like, I'm not religious. I'm an atheist. Like, well, let's, you, you know. You know. You're never, ever going to win people over with any kind of argument like that when you're just in their face you know what i mean yeah it's the same um, thing as like kirk cameron and that dude being on the streets like you're a sinner you're going to hell i'm like yo get the fuck out of my face (laughs) you know like yeah yeah like seriously like it's it is they like beat you over the head with it it's like how do you know someone's a vegan don't worry they'll tell you same thing with atheism they will find a way to bring it up and then no matter what but honestly the weird thing is that um a, there's a certain sect of them that they will only bash Christians who are yeah. religious. Every other religion to them is valid. And to yeah. me, what what that's saying is, as atheists, yeah. they're, they're not really atheists because they only see Christianity as their challenge. That like yes. that's the only one that's real. So the other yes. ones, oh, you, you can be they're... whatever you want. Christianity yeah. is the only real religion, so that's the only one we're against. And it's like, yeah. so listen to what you're saying, and you are still being a Christian because you believe it is the only real religion. You're yeah. just mm-hmm. on the wrong side of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, and you can look at it and be like, just by the, the sheer volume of people that are Christians in the world, I mean, it is the number one. Yeah. You know? Most definitely. Um, 
Yeah, and and you just you look at it and you say it can't not have an influence on everything. Everything, you know. And I, I coming from you know my background, I see it all as being very oppressive, um, and so I have a really difficult time agreeing with anything that uh somebody says you know from a pulpit or even evangelicals like i'm just like you guys are just trying to control people i know what's in that book right yeah that and that's that's exactly the way it feels it's like there's there's the um just like okay so with heathenry like there are zealots out there who make it to where it's like okay this isn't and it's not to say that religion should be fun but there should be an element of it that makes you want to continue doing it. And there are people out there who make it insufferable. And it's the whole, like, uh, you know, UPG, the unverified personal gnosis that, um, well, I I believe it this way, but then you've got people out there, no, you can't do that. It is this way. It's like, okay, so with every religion, there is the organic and... um, you know, lovable side of it. The the one that yeah. is, is genuine. And then you've that's got the one that's forced. That side is exactly. You have, you love the honest side of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sincere. And it's, it's, it's the thing that, that keeps people into it is the sincere. It's like the wits. They're yeah. sincere in their belief. Yes. It is so honest. It's refreshing because when yeah. they, when they talk about when my friend Billy was passing, you know, I yeah. I never, I, I wasn't around him a lot, you know what I mean? But I never heard anyone say either that there was never a time where he was doubting where he was going. Yeah. There was never a time that he was against God or, or wanted to give up on it. He was just, this is God's plan. This is what happens. And it is how it's, this is how it's supposed to be. So, like, he suffered but in in a, in with such grace that yes. like it it's it's, um, it's a weird thing to was... say that suffering with grace is such a weird thing to say but he did he went yeah. through years of this to where like mm-hmm. it really only became apparent towards the end and he was still like trying to i i, I went and saw him <laughs> shortly before yeah. he passed and you know, he's like, how are you doing, man? You know, and like, he was barely able to stay awake. I mean, it yeah. was, it was so close to the end, but I loved that I got to see him again. And he yeah. just, he just, he wanted to talk to me and you know, <laughs> he's like, well, you yeah. know, I, I could be better, but it is, it's the way it's supposed to be. So like that mm-hmm. genuine, that sincerity, that, yeah. You know, real because real recognizes real. You know what I mean. You can tell when someone's yeah. real about it. And like you said, the the holler Christians, the ones who say yeah. just say they're a Christian, but what are you doing? Like yeah. he he mm-hmm. lived it to his to mm-hmm. his dying breath. He lived yeah. it, and you can't hate. You know that. what? No, you can't. And I will say this much: like the ones that really truly believe it. It works, will, works for them just as well as it does for anyone else. Someone who is fervently praying. I believe there have been times that I have prayed so hard and so truthfully that I have manifested things into existence. Uh, dude, that is that is like scientific fact that will. You know what I mean? It affects. It's one of those um, mm-hmm. like quantum physics. Uh, what is it? Um, expectation affects 
reality, I think is what it is. So okay. yeah. your your will for something to happen. It's you speak it into existence sort of thing. If you wake yeah. up and you stub your toe and that's the first thing that happens, and you're just like, oh, fuck, this day sucks. And you start off, and all your words are negative. Every Everything you do is negative about it. Then yeah. you are going to have a bad day. You know you're going to go outside. Your car's not going to start immediately. Or you're going to be so low on gas, you have to stop at a gas station, so you're going to be behind. And you get in there, and gas is going to be really high, so it's a bad day because all you're noticing is the bad yeah. And, and and that's what you're focused on because it's mm-hmm. where where your mind is, but yeah. so your expectation affects your reality, and to the point that there's you know an unquantifiable uh, energy that your yeah. will puts out there. So yeah, I believe if you if you're sitting there and you're praying and you're so hard and so sincere and you want it bad enough when you doing it, yeah, you are manifesting that into the world. And that is, is that is magic. Um, you know, that is yeah, the yeah. unexplained phenomenon that is where magic exists. So I, um, uh, recently got it, uh, more into dabbling with that type of stuff. Okay. And um, I developed a uh, ritual that I like to uh, perform. I really like to try to do it a couple times a week. Is this a, um, a satyr or a galder? Um, it is actually um, like uh, elemental type magic stuff. Oh, okay. So basically what it is, is it's um, uh, I have this, I pour water into this uh, clay pitcher. Okay. And I have this clay gla- uh, this clay cup that I drink out of, and I pour this water into it. And, um, uh, when I'm pouring the water into the pitcher, I say words over top of it, um, uh, anointing the water. Um, I speak, uh, praise to the water, uh, reminding it where it came from, how powerful it is, persistent to crack the stone type of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the next day I drink this water when I wake up and then I recite a phrase about waking up because I believe that within every human being is a potential when you're able to control yourself fully to um, reach an almost like deity like status. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so it is this almost like prayer to the God that's within you and you drink this water to wake yourself up. Um, kind of remind yourself of what you can be. Well, because I mean, to, to say, to like speak to that, there's, mm-hmm. we are in every religion, every thought, like, I, I don't. I, it's hard to not believe in some creation, you know, to, yeah. to something. Even if it's as mundane as gravity is the reason we're here, because it's the force that pulls everything together. Something created us, but you know that that's taking all the magic and mystery out of the world. And I and I I yeah. think that we need to keep that. So saying is gravity. You're like, okay, well, what is gravity? Why couldn't gravity be the divine? in you so there's an element of divinity in every human because of the nature of our creation you know the breath of life that you know let's go let's go with the heathen thing odin gives the breath of life you know and that's Mm -hmm. that's where we the element of the the soul almost which is weird to say Mm -hmm. because the soul has been weighed (laughs) you know like it's there's it has a weight that was done and yeah. it's, it's, you know, if it's not 
divine in nature. I don't know what it would be. And you can call divinity whatever you want. It's yeah. it's outside of our perceived you know, are, world. Exactly. And, you know, you live long enough, you see things that are... Okay, so one time my ex-wife and I, we were driving northbound on 93 between Oak Hill and Jackson, right? Okay, yeah. So um, we're uh, crossing the railroad tracks there. We're getting uh, ready to cross railroad tracks there by where all that factory is and stuff. Yeah. And it's late at night. We just left my parents' house. It's probably like midnight, getting close to 1 o'clock. And uh, me and her both um, heavy churchgoers at the time. We're traveling and um, we're driving down 93 where these two hills kind of come down. This hill comes down and crosses 93 and then a hill comes up the other side. And I'm telling you, man, there was a ghost. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. There was a ghost, a, um, a shadow figure, a, a misty figure, uh, walk down the hill and across the road and up the other side. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. It was the Jesus most stunning and shocking thing I had ever seen in my life. I literally like like a cartoon or a movie or something like that. Like I took my glasses off and just just like rubbed my eyes because I couldn't believe it. And <laughs> my 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 uh, wife, she said, uh, "Did you just see that?" And that that was, when that happens, yeah. it's like because I, I had a I had a similar well, not too similar. I had an experience of a supernatural uh, too, but I I didn't speak up first. Someone else said, "You just see that," and that's when it hit me that like, oh shit, that was real. You yeah. Know, mm-hmm. When and you know because okay, so you how many how many psychedelic drugs were you on time? <laughs> You know, At the time, none. None, yeah. right? So <laughs> Absolutely. Sober as a judge. Right. Whenever, well, can't really say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, known, known too many judges. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, you know, when I when I had my experience, I, I was a teenager. I didn't, like, and you know, I still don't. I don't do drugs. I never have, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was completely clear-minded when I saw, and I'll go ahead and relay this since, you know, we're talking about it. Um, I was 15, 16 years old, something like that. And uh, I lived on 93 uh, between Colton and Jackson. And my my bedroom was in the basement of our house. And I was into, you know, I was into Wicca. I was into you know, Satan and it was just everything metal. You know what I mean? I was a big metal oh, yeah, head. Yeah, so, yeah. and what's more metal than Satan? Like, yeah, nothing. Yeah. No, no, yeah <laughs> so, number one. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to be metal. He invented, yeah. Invented the genre. Right. And, and, you know, I can do nothing but give him thanks for that. So like, I'm a huge, fan, <laughs> huge fan, you know, and, yeah, uh, yeah. I was totally into it, but I was laying down there with my buddy who sometimes will admit to this happening. Other times will not. But we were laying, listening to the most evil, vile artist on earth, um, Kid Rock. So, you oh, know. No. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We were, it was yeah. so bad. Like, I'm surprised Satan wasn't sitting there with us because we we're listening to, you know, the devil himself, Kid Rock. Um, yeah. The devil without a cause. He is the bull god, you understand? Um, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. God damn. So we're, we're, I'm listening American to, badass, buddy. yeah, buddy, you know, watch him kick. 
yeah. <laughs> you can roll with rock or you can suck his dick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I do Absolutely. love. I do love Kid Rock though. Like it's <laughs> such trash, but I fucking love it. <laughs> it gets me yeah. hype as fuck. Like ball with the ball comes on, I'm hype. I'm hype as fuck. Anyways. Yeah. So we're we're laying there listening to that kind of talking. You know, it's we're get we're going to bed. He's spending the night at the house, and you know we're teenagers, so we're talking shit. You know. And, um, I was, you know, laying there listening to music. I turned the light off and we're still listening to it. Apparently he didn't listen to music to sleep, but I did. He's like, Hey man, can you turn that music off so I can go to sleep? I'm like, well, fucking square. Sure. You know, (laughs) whatever, dude. Yeah. Fuck you, buddy. I guess. But, um, you know, I turn it off and like, I'm dude, I'm not even kidding. The moment I turn that fucking thing off. And the in the basement where I stayed was also the washer and dryer, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. from beside the dryer f- flies up a black ball. Like yeah. it, it is I'm I'm in the basement. It's dark. There's no lights on. The, there's no light in the stairwell to the basement. The, yeah. the only mm-hmm. light close to it is the um the light over top of the stove that no one ever turns off. Yeah. And that was up, up the stairs all the way to the other side of the kitchen. It's the closest light I had. So I see this black ball fly up and it covers the um, uh, smoke detector. Yeah. Which was, you know, wide enough that you could see it in the dim light that did uh, peer through the darkness. But you couldn't mm-hmm. see it no longer. And I just look at it. I'm frozen. Yeah. I'm just looking at this thing. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say anything because apparently I've lost my fucking mind. When my buddy speaks up, he goes, hey, man, did you see that? I said, you talking about that uh, black thing that flew up there? He goes, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I saw that. He goes, turn the light on. I'm like, I don't think I can because I was like froze, right? He's yeah, like, dude, turn yeah. the light on. Just like a fucking movie, bro. I reached up to turn that light. It's one of those like turn clicks. You go, you know, click, click, and it comes on. One of those turny yeah. dials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Click, click, nothing. Click, click, nothing. Click, click, nothing. And I am going frantic. He's and he's because he's freaking out because why am I getting frantic? Because the thing's moving towards me. Yeah. Like you know, swear on everything. You know, life on the oh, line. No. Yeah. It's coming at the, me. Right. See, this is the thing. Like whenever you have an experience like that, you're more prone to believe other people's experiences. Right. And, and yeah. Depending, because there's some people talk about it. I'm like, ah, I full shit. <laughs> yeah, man, like, yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't believe yeah, well, you. you know, but um, I mean, yeah, everyone does have their bullshit detectors, you know. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was coming at me, dude. So like, I'm frantic trying to turn this light on. I turn the light on. And this thing dissipates, mm-hmm. but it's in the, it is, is now encompassing the entirety of the room. Like yeah. that energy, it becomes oppressive. The lights on, but it's still very like dark. Everything is oppressed. And I'm like, we have to get out of here. Let's go upstairs. So he gets up before me and I'm like, you know, getting dressed. I always wore boots everywhere, but I left them downstairs Get yeah. a, get in the stairwell, and I get and I feel like the the uh, you know back of my neck, the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. I just feel oh, yeah. creeped out. And mm-hmm. we're about halfway upstairs, and I look behind me, and there it is at the bottom of the stairwell again. And I'm like, oh shit! So I push my buddy 
<laughs> there's no more walking. <laughs> I'm pushing him yeah. up the stairs. Get into yeah. the, the kitchen where the light is, and it comes up to the top of the stairwell, stops right like right before where the light could touch it. It stops. You can mm-hmm. witness it turn around. It goes yeah. back down the stairs, and my light bulb busted. And when yeah. I say busted, I mean shattered. There were shards of glass. Yeah. We go downstairs the next day. My mattress was off the bed, and his little rollaway bed was knocked over. We didn't do Jeez. it. We were yeah. we were upstairs, and then it's like you could hear electric. It sounded. It was such a. My dad wakes up. Right, we're in the living room yeah. now. My dad comes by and he says, "You guys look like you just saw a ghost." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "You have no idea. You've got no yeah. idea." So yeah, like, I didn't sleep in that room for six months, and then when I did, yeah. I didn't turn the light off. Like it was, mm-hmm. it like I remember it so plainly to this day, dude. Like, yeah. what the fuck? You know what was that? So. Yeah, I know. I had, uh, since it's Halloween and we're sharing here, I had uh, another uh, experience. I was staying up at my grandmother's house, and I was there with my cousin. And um, we had a cousin that was much younger than us, probably about 10 years younger or something. She was uh, she's probably five. See, no, she wasn't that much younger. Because we were, we were probably 11, 12, and she was probably five. She's about five, six years younger than us. Okay. And uh, we were up real late at night. We always watched, uh, uh, you know, Cartoon Network had really good, uh, like, Scooby-Doo and mm-hmm. uh, really uh, Jabber Jaws and, and uh, Josie and the Pussycats, shit like that, Snorkels. Yeah, before Boomerang uh, was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had it had a lot of really good old retro uh, cartoons, and we watched it all the time. So we were sitting there, and uh, <clears throat> we were watching it, and uh, I see my uh, younger cousin. She comes walking out of... Uh, the bedroom walks down the hallway towards where the bathroom is, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was sitting there, and we were uh, watching cartoons, and I noticed that a lot of time went by. And I looked over at my cousin, and this was this was later at night. This is probably around midnight. And I said, "She's taking a long time in the bathroom." He said, "Yeah, I know." So he'd seen her too. And I uh, went down there and checked, and uh, there was nobody in there. There was uh, She hadn't gotten out of bed or anything. And we had uh, both seen uh, what appeared to be like a young, younger uh, five-year-old girl around that age uh, go walking down the hallway. And now even when I look back, like, I don't recall seeing her, like, walk out of a door. It was almost like she walked past me without me noticing her, and then she kind of, like, appeared in the hallway. It was very weird, and... Looking back on it, I she wasn't she didn't walk the same way that uh, my cousin walked and stuff, um, but we both saw it and it was it was very uh, very freaky. That that is that's that's the uh, that when when there's two people when you it's yep. that's what really gets me is like we both saw it it was there yeah um, that's the, in, when, in and, that and same vein that person you know yeah well for me they won't fucking admit it man. Like they're so afraid of it, they just don't talk yeah. about it. You know, I'm like, hey, you remember what happened? Or like, I don't, I don't remember anything about that. I'm like, okay, so it, it's it, it really aggravates me because it's like, dude, yeah. like you could you could really talk about this. So um, yeah. that same ball or whatever mm-hmm. must have been attached to me. Yeah. I was at a, a friend's house, and <clears throat> we were 
we were hearing things in the woods. Like this dude, he's kind of affluent, and uh, they lived back in the woods off of Mount Zion. And um, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so wanky area. Yeah, boy, we're we're back there, um, and lights are on. You know, we're we're just a bunch of teenage boys playing pool, having fun. You know, and yep. fu- funny enough, none of us drank or anything. We were just there. You know what I mean? Um, being kind of nerdy, a little. You know, mm-hmm. teen teen boys. So we're outside because we hear this noise in the woods. It, I'm sure it was a deer. You know, looking back, I'm sure yep. it was. But we were given into fantasy. What is this? Oh, so absolutely. We, we go outside with like weapons. Could be anything. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was. You know, a, a, a demogorgon. <laughs> and yeah, we're ready to do battle. We were also into D and D and fantasy. So you know, yes, we're just giving over to fantasy and letting it be what it is. A bugbear yeah. in the woods we're about to take down. But as I'm standing there, I'm standing in the one area of, like, there's no light touching it. And f- up from the woodpile, mm-hmm. a, a small ball of darkness flies up, goes around my friend towards me, and I happened to step into the light, and it disappeared. I watched my friend watch it. I watched him watch this ball. He looked up at me, white as a ghost. He said, I will never admit to anybody that I saw that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, why? He goes, I won't. I refuse to admit that I saw that. Yeah. But you did. He said, for right now, I'll tell you. Yes, I did. I saw that thing. Yeah. But he, he absolutely like would not convey it to anybody else. Even the people overheard, like, won't say you saw what? He goes, nothing. I saw nothing. Like, at the yeah. very moment, he refused to see. So I don't know what that was, but there was some darkness that, like, was attached to me or something. Which, you know, given the shit that I was doing at that age, uh, I was dabbling in, like, um, using a pendulum and um, yeah. mm-hmm. shit like that. And I was very into, yeah. like, you know, Satan because, you know, metal. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there was some yeah. dark energy that had attached itself to me or something. But, like, it was freaky, dude. Like, there was some shit that, like, and yeah. that, and honestly, dude, that house we lived in was fucking haunted. Mm-hmm. My brothers both have stories of haunts from it. Um, they have friends that were over and experienced it. He took a group of people down into the basement where I lived, and they did a pendulum with a candle, and, like, it scared the shit out of his friends because of the things that happened. So, that house was haunted as fuck. But, apparently, I'm the one who haunted it, too. According to to my brother's pendulum uh, event, like, I was the reason that whatever gate got opened up there got opened up and haunted that house was because of me. So, whatever, you know. I, uh, um, for real, you know, it's crazy when things like that happen. When the the, the incident happened with me and my ex-wife, and uh, that was an honest, uh, life-changing moment for me because not everyone gets a chance to have, you know, like a real confirmation of that there is supernatural things in the world. And um, that was, you know, for me, uh, so just so real and it was just the wildest thing so um in a lot of ways that changed my life going forward from that very moment because i and going forward with an understanding that there is uh, far more than what i ever ever really believed 
Yeah, I can totally, I can totally see that. Yeah, where that would absolutely, and and to think about it, like it, it kind of, it does. And if it doesn't, you're lying to yourself because I know that's that's basically what I was doing for like yeah. from that point on. I was like, no, 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 no. I, and it's so strange because I was so into Wicca yeah. too, but I was mm-hmm. into Wicca in this very atheistic fashion, and the, yeah. um it was um it was more of a search for you and i was kind of the same way like i did it and it was like i was i was seeking you know i mean like i i didn't i i didn't adhere exactly to all these these tenets because you know i dabbled in in wicca and other kinds of uh pagan schools of thought and things and uh still even you know on a journey of self-exploration as far as all that goes but yeah yeah no doubt if you're not yeah, journeying, um, like you're not learning, and like let's, I mean, to quantify that, look at look at Odin. What was he? Wisdom. Yeah. You know, if you oh, yeah. if you're like if you're on the heathen path and you're not still seeking, then you're not yeah. doing it. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah, kind of like yeah. Nothing Odin, is Odin set. Is an allegory, you know, for me, like he's very representative of like more, more, more. I need more of this. I've got to find more power i've got to find more magic i've got to find uh more ways to give myself uh an edge you know and uh i really uh that um aspect of odin is something that i uh really kind of look look to i had a theory um a while back about them um being that there's the aesir the vanir and the etnir or the jotnar that um Mm -hmm. you know the 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 Jotnar the like chaotic elemental uh, parts of Earth where kind of like the Titans in uh, Greek and Roman mythology where it's yeah. they are all of the chaos agents of uh, human life in fire yeah. is an like, agent of chaos it it is part of the the Jotnar tribe it's you yeah. know cert you know um, then mm-hmm. you've got the Vanir. Which is more yeah. you know, fertility. It's very earth based. It's very, um, you know, you can, you know, the the gentle rain, and you can say, you it's know, got a lot of, uh, you know, magic and witchcraft. Comes, very very you know, much. It's, on there. It's very earth centered, earth worship, earth magic type feel to it. And then you've got the yeah. the Aesir, which seems yeah. to deal more with the the metaphysical and the mind. So it's yeah. like you have like they're like the higher consciousness, whereas yeah. the, the mm-hmm. Vanir is on the same planes as your ancestors and the land whites and stuff. All of the stuff that's here with us, and then the yeah. Aesir are somewhere else where it's all the the um, well the higher self, the super ego, as you said, like yeah. in that realm where that's it is above all. It's very mind oriented and it's very metaphysical. So I mean, yeah. it goes it's, back to the archetypes, the essences, the 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 exactly. all of that is is all involved yeah. in all of that. Yeah, tapping into two different streams is kind of coming from the same source, and uh, you know, and that's kind of something you you talk about that, which I find interesting. That um, the at a certain point in time, uh, members of the the Vanier. Uh, you know, they they come over to the ASCR and almost like a, a trading of yeah, it was a, uh, hostages. It was know, a part of a, a, a truce, I think, is what it was. Yeah, it yeah, stopped it the was, war. It was a, yeah, it was the stop the war between them. It was a trading of hostages, basically. Yeah. Um. So you've got that going on, and then you look at um, the Yotnar, 
Um, some of them marry into those gods. Some of them are worshipped um, widely by heathens and not uh-huh. being, um, I, I believe, the uh, goddess Skaldi. Is, yeah, uh, she's a giantess. Yeah. yeah, so yep. um, I've heard her name get thrown around in worship, especially you know during, during those fun winter times. Um, well, Fre- Frey's wife, okay. Frey's wife is a giantess. Thor's wife is yeah. a giantess. Thor's mother is a giantess. Thor, Thor, yeah, I was going to say Thor's half a giant. Yeah. So um, you look at that and you go, so the Yadnar, their the hate that they receive seems to be kind of uh, arbitrary because some of them are are beloved and worshipped. Um, so and that I feel to like me the, is yeah. like it's it's like saying that you're. Um, it feels like people view it as Loki worship. Um, whenever yeah. you say you are giving reverence to any uh, uh, giants, because yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about it. Sert, the fire giant. If is is fire not dual? Pur- now they say Loki is fire, like he's you know encompasses fire, and it's it's because of his dual nature. Like he can both yeah. be warm and inviting, and he can be comforting, but all at the same time he'll burn your fucking house down. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Sert is purely the chaotic element like the the and should you not give reverence to such an extreme thing like what do we say about every like a firearm right it's called a firearm but what do you do with it you respect it oh yeah no no it is respect not just a minor form of reverence you know like to say that you don't care about it at all well, no, that's that's yeah. foolish. You know, you should definitely be reverent of fire because exactly. it can burn compar- your fucking house down. Exactly. You look at it, and in comparison, you res- you respect and you revere because you know what these things are capable of doing. Yep. Water is the same yeah. way. Water is, you know, oh, yeah. the source of yeah, life, was, uh, but will kill you right now. Yeah, me and, uh, me and my buddy, uh, we were roommates, and uh, we were flood victims uh, during the uh, big flood that happened down here in uh, southeastern Ohio a few years ago. Oh, yeah? Um, we, we got flooded out bad. Um, we woke up, we're getting ready to, to go to work, and stepped out, uh, opened the front door, and water was just about ready to start coming in through the bottom of the door. Fuck. And uh, it, it, had, it was all the way up to the top step, and he said, dude, I was still laying on the couch about half asleep. I didn't have to get up for another half hour so. Uh, it was late at night. We were third shift. And he said, uh, dude, water's getting ready to start coming in through the door. And I jumped up and looked. And, and sure enough, we had not much time. And we shut the door. And we're like, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, let's just put some towels down. You know? Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah just uh, sitting around, uh, you know, like smoking weed all the time and stuff like that. Just, oh, I don't know, dude. <laughs> so... Uh, get a, get get a straw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to start, get, get us a bucket. We're going to start bailing the shit out. So um, we're sitting there trying to figure this out. There's a knock at the door. We open the door and it's a, a firefighter who's telling us that we need to evacuate because more water's coming. And so uh, we start trying to gather up some stuff, try to put some valuables like the TV up on the couch and uh, tried to, I had a, uh, bookcase had a bunch of DVDs on it to just try to get everything off the floor that we can. And man, that water started coming in through that door. And uh, we ran upstairs, started getting uh, some items for, for the night because we were going to have to have somebody come pick us up. And 
we came downstairs and by the time we came downstairs the water was about halfway up my calf jesus and, criminy uh, like furniture was floating around in the yeah it happened fast furniture was like floating around in the living room and we walk out the uh, back door and the um uh, the the back of the building was up against the hill, and the water was so high back there that our uh, sliding glass door, the water was probably about, I don't know, eight or nine inches above the water level in the house. So when I opened the door, man, this just flood of water just came rushing in. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And uh, we kind of swam our way out of the out of our apartment i i assume you didn't have power this time yeah no like uh power was still on lights were still on. oh my god that's uh, way more dangerous that that made it yeah, so I mean, dangerous yeah it, yeah it was scary it was scary um yeah like i said the uh, water was well above the outlets fucking wild dude like and it's it's one of those oh. things man like yeah, we drink water to survive. You have to have it to live, right? But it will fucking kill you. And it can come yeah. from the sky and just be like, you know what? Hey, we're going to do this, you know? So, like, where yeah. is it to say that, like, we we shouldn't... I, I don't think you should worship chaos, but you should definitely give it the respect it deserves. Because also, yeah. if, we're, if we're thinking of things, and I said this when I was leaving the um, organization, that, you know... Yeah chaos is an agent of change things do not improve or or get worse without chaos you can it's static and if if something doesn't happen to make things change then everything stays the same so you know part of the evolution of um that group was you know there was um the associate member i i was the first associate member and mm-hmm. I was the first to leave um, of my own accord uh, and, you know, release from the oath and leave honorably. I was the, the yeah. first, so I was another evolution, but it was chaotic because of things that were going on and the way I conducted yeah. myself and stuff. So I, it was, but it was an agent of change and it allowed for the evolution yeah. of the group um, in that manner. Um so it's it's one of those things where chaos shouldn't be worshipped, but it definitely yeah. need, it definitely has its spot where it needs respect. Yeah, I, I do not believe that there is any kind of change without some degree of chaos, you know, or it wouldn't really change because you're going into something new, and man, that takes a lot of courage, you know. It does. I remember like uh, I just I just started this new new job. I'm four days into it. Right. And um, man, it's a tumultuous time for me right now. Like I am just I'm trying to learn everything and it is completely just completely different. And um, yeah, so there's a steep learning curve for me and my life is chaos right now. Like there is no rhyme or reason to do anything. I feel like that I got going on that it's, it's just it's 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 wild. But yeah, you have to go through that, and in order to it, volunteer to go through that process, it's it's courageous. And I, and I, um, I look, you know, on this and then see anyone going out on any kind of new venture trying to improve themselves. That's, that's brave. Yeah, it's just it's and it's kind of doing that. You know, yeah. facing the chaos is almost the 
it's almost ritualistic to, to especially if you acknowledge it, it and it's almost if, giving yeah, it exactly. its, um giving it its due reverence um yep. when you uh when you do that sorry i was distracted yep. my, my wife just walked through the house and distracted me a little bit <laughs> um, <laughs> all right <laughs> all right <laughs> all right uh, giggity yeah um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, that's the, and see, I think that's the thing. Like, I feel like it's important to, like, if you're sitting there and you're in a room and there's fire there, you have to acknowledge it. Yeah. You, know you can't I mean? just be no, like, oh, I know fire's not, I, yeah. I don't believe Ignoring in fire. Ignoring it is not an option. Right. <laughs> you know, so when you're talking about these chaotic elements and stuff like that, if you do not acknowledge them, you know what, you know, fire's capable of doing if it's left unchecked. Yeah. So you have to kind of like, I feel like sometimes as chaotic elements, you should acknowledge them. And when you acknowledge them, that's when you can uh, ultimately uh, depend on your, your ego to make that choice to, to say, uh, yeah, I want to control this chaos to the best of my ability. I, I don't even know if control is the right word to use. I think it's work with. You you get yeah, I suppose. you get chaos to agree with you. It's like it's like cats. Yeah. Cats are never domesticated. They are tame wild animals, and at any moment they can attack you. <laughs> you know, you never you are never no. controlling a a cat. Yeah. Um. Give me give me this one. I'm gonna mute for a second. Yeah, you bet. All right, I'm back. <laughs> had to had to mute for just a second there. Um, no problem. She, she was up getting dressed and putting on a coat, and I'm like, at, eh, "It's fucking one a.m. Are you leaving?" She's getting something out of the car. Um, oh. But yeah, you can't control chaos, but you can. I think you can definitely work with it, and that's where you know people build fires. We we yeah, and to do it and. Every time I build a fire, I cannot help but think about the fact that it is a chaos element. It is one yeah. of the, and and go back to uh, you know um, heathen lore into the uh, cosmology, and yeah. you know you have Ganunga Gap, you have Muspelheim and Niflheim, mm-hmm. and it's the fire and ice that come together that sort of begin creating the cosmos. Um, wherein we reside and, you know, then there's Emir emerges and you've got uh, Aldumla and all that stuff. And there's all that, yeah. uh, the great cosmic questions of how did this happen? But sometimes, you know, that's the scientific brain. Sometimes don't worry about how it happened. You know, my kids yeah. ask me how TV works. I'm like, I don't know, magic, I guess that's, <laughs> you know, and why yeah. can't, why can't it be? Why does it have to be something else? So, it's one of those like just let it be what it is. Emir was there, Bor was there, Aduma was there, and it just all came from that. But you go back to fire and ice, and ice is just water in in another form. So yeah. it's essentially fire and water. They're two chaos elements, and I think they're the two pri- primordial chaos elements. Yeah, because everything else comes from you know where do storms, where does lightning come from? Well, that's yeah, you know, it's water is involved in that. Some sort of ancient knowledge that human beings had and, like I said, codified it in these kinds of stories and things. Because I agree, like, you look at, like, how the universe was made according to, to physicists and stuff. The uh, uh, fire and water, you know, idea is not, is, is a really good way to kind of, you know, explain what happened. 
You know what I mean? And even even the Bible, it talks about, you know, he separates the water from the firmament. It was, you know, water seems to be a very important key aspect to a lot of this um, things around the world. And you just kind of, you know, understand that they understood uh, the power that the elements had. Yeah. I mean, and even to the Big Bang Theory, well, it's the most scientific thing, like, is you think of a Big Bang, like baking soda and vinegar. It's a a cataclysmic event in that infinitesimal way there. Like, if you you lived in a microcosm and Mm -hmm. somehow on that quark you live on, you're in the mixture of baking soda and vinegar it explodes like that's cataclysmic it's it is a violent reaction well fire and ice have the same thing there's there's chaos that happens in that like ice turning to water it's melting there's it's violence you know it doesn't seem like it is but it is because it's a transference of power and all that and you know yeah fire and melts ice and water puts out fire you know they are battling each other so it's you know that you're battle. only gonna get a story about that from Iceland too. You know, you're <laughs> right? The, yeah, the, the, the volcanoes and the uh, glaciers and stuff. Yeah, right? They, yeah. They, because I mean, nowhere else really in the world you look at it, they do you ever get to see anything that hot interacting with something that cold during that time? You know what I mean? Like no one was like smelting uh, iron. You know, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, nowhere in the world was you finding anything that was as lava was, you know. So they had a, an understanding of um, how, how severe and how hot something could actually be um, that a lot of people in the rest of the world didn't. You have the, I mean, the Islanders and like Hawaii and stuff, but they only, they were oh, tropical. Yeah. They didn't know the freezing parts of it. Like, yeah, like, no, like they'd they never did... seen what it was like when it touched ice. Yeah. Yeah, they just saw it touch water, and it would, like, cool. Because when it touches that, it goes from ice, it skips the water phase, and turns into steam immediately. Yeah. And that creates that wild, kind of violent reaction when it skips that, uh, the water phase. And, uh, you know. Yeah, that's, that uh, is a, a crazy, like, it's just, man, I'm glad you got to go to Iceland. Like, I wish yeah, I was, wanted. Uh, dude, I, I was talking to Jessica, and it's funny because me and her, um, we have our whole, like, idea about our life that we want to have revolves around world travel. It's <laughs> a good idea. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, that is the... Uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. That is the ultimate goal for us. Yeah. We have a list of uh, countries we like to go see. Greece is one that we're going to uh, go see probably as soon as we can. Um, we also want to take a big uh, Europe trip, go to England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Yeah. Nice. And um, But I was talking to her the other day, and I said, you know, if uh, something happens and uh, we get uh, a lot of money, we're able to take these trips. I said, I want to, next time we take a trip, go back to Iceland again. Even though, like, my ultimate kind of bucket list stuff is to uh, get as many countries in as possible. I have to see Iceland one more time before I die, or I don't I don't believe I would feel satisfied on my deathbed. <laughs> well, I mean, to, and to look at, like you said, this story can only come from Iceland. I mean, yeah, it, it, and it's Floki, I believe, called it the land of the gods because yeah. of 
the tumult that happened. The you know, you've got the fire and the ice. You've got the fog. Yep. It's it's very primordial, especially to first bear witness to that. Like, who wouldn't think that that's where gods are either born or you know maybe yeah. where the center of creation the so. full uh did you watch the vikings series all the way through i have not finished it yet i'm so yeah, close I've not, to the I've end i've not either okay so um so but you did see where floki uh discovered iceland right yeah he's like uh scandinavian noah yeah um so he goes out and he discovers iceland he even like released ravens that did the thing that noah's doves did right and uh, so they get to Iceland, and um, in the in the series, Floki goes to this waterfall, right? And he sees this rainbow and sees so uh, uh, one of the gods. I think it's Heimdall. Yeah. And um, me and uh, my wife went to that uh, waterfall. It's called Skogafoss. And we got there. It was very early in, in the day, probably like two o'clock. The sun was in a perfect spot, and there was a rainbow that was there that was ever present. You, no matter where you were at, you couldn't escape it. And as you're walking up to the waterfall, you, there's two rainbows, and it's just this incredible mist that comes off this waterfall. And the lighting was perfect. And you're like, yeah, that, of course, I believe in the the rainbow bridge because it's right here in front of my eyes. No, of course, yeah. Like, why, why, if it's there all the time, why wouldn't you think yeah. that's where the gods touch down on Earth? That's the Bifrost. Permanent, you know. A permanent rainbow stayed right there in front of your eyes. And it was almost like playing a, it was like you were looking at it with the back of your eye. It was very, like, deep in your eye. It, it even, like, felt weird. Penetrative, yeah, I would even say. Um, that's, but, a, that's, uh, that's incredible man like yeah and, and, and here we um, go again with water though like look at that where does that yeah. permanence happen yeah. around water you yeah. know it's mm -hmm. like it's it, it a gateway comes, to something else you know it comes back to those like primordial elements of chaos mm -hmm. being agents of change and agents of yeah. you know like life and death and you know mm -hmm. what realm do gods exist in if not the realms of life and death like so yeah. it's it's such a crazy thing to like think that we just drink it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we drink it. We breathe oxygen, which is flammable. Yeah. You know, like and and flammable flame fire. Mm -hmm. The thing we breathe in fuels fire chaos. It has are, to have it. It has, it has to, to have it. it. Yeah. To ex yep. For fire to exist, it has to have the thing that we breathe for us to exist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, and there's that, you know, that divinity, you know, like, yeah. we breathe this. You know, I'm going to rip off this, uh, this guru that I listened to, but he was, um, he was talking to this um, uh, a girl. She was asking something. He said, you know, what'd you have for, for breakfast? Yeah. She's like, yeah toast you know whatever and um so he goes on to describe that it is a miraculous thing that every single human being they take food into their body and they turn it into human being mm. and he's like that's godly that is like a um that is a power he's like we're used to these things that happen to us because they seem mundane but you look at it and you have like complete and total power over your life 
And you can be happy because you should be happy. It's just state of mind. And I'm telling you, it's it's been like listening to his some of his stuff has been very um, life changing for me. I've gotten very zen with the way I uh, approach life these days. Yeah, that that um, man, that's a that's a profound statement. That takes yeah takes food into the body and turns it into human being. Because immediately when you went turns into, I thought waste. You know, yes. but like, that's, that's just our human, like, ha ha side talk. But to think yeah. it turns into mm-hmm. human being like, well, the waste yeah. is just what we couldn't use to build our body. Like we yeah. take nutrients, amino acids, electrolytes. We, we, everything that is making up that substance, mm-hmm. we take it into us and we tear it apart internally yeah. and use it. So that's just, a, it is, it's, it is. It's when you really think about things that we consider mundane, and you yeah. put uh, you know a, a spin on it to the to the point of saying we breathe in the fuel for fire, and we drink that which quenches fire. Yeah, you know it's it's like and what a weird you, you thing. Look, you look at these things, and you can you look at it and you go, "This is the honest to God truth that everything that." You, you experience in life boils down to perspective and if you believe it enough you have control over that there's this um um kind of buddhist philosophical uh thing that i i was reading about and they'll say uh, uh you're driving in a mall parking lot okay you're about ready to um you can't find a spot you see somebody backing out you're waiting patiently to get the spot about the time another car comes down uh the opposite lane pulls into the parking spot uh, that you were waiting for and uh, you roll your window down and say, I was waiting for that spot and the guy flips you off and off he goes with his business, right? Uh-huh. Um, so it asks you when um, you're faced with this kind of uh, situation, how are you you know, feeling emotionally? Do you want to get out and fight this guy? You know what I mean? Do you want to, because um, I mean, you risk injuring somebody. Uh, injuring yourself. And, uh, injuring yourself um do you want to vandalize this car you could end up getting in some sort of legal trouble or something like that none of it is worth it okay mm-hmm. right none, none none of it is worth it you can't you can't so so they say what if instead you're sitting there patiently waiting the uh, car pulls out and drives off and as you're turning in all of a sudden a cow comes walking down by some of the cars and walks into the spot and lays down in the middle of the spot and refuses to move and when you get out, you try to run it off. It just kind of moves at you and kind of like kicks you away. How are you going to feel about this? And I'm like, that would be the just like craziest, most whimsical moment. You know what I mean? Like it would just be, it would be hilarious. Like I was yeah. at the mall and this fucking cow just appeared out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the same thing happened to you, <laughs> you know, but um, you're processing it in a weird way. And you have to understand that everybody's reactions to everything that you, to how they treat you is just a reflection of how they are processing things in their life. Man, that's, that's and, a, um, wow, that is deep, man. Because you yeah. have the same thing. You didn't get that spot. It doesn't matter that you rolled yeah. your window down and said, hey, Cal, move. I was waiting there. It doesn't matter. It's, it, but like you said, it's, if, you, if a cow did it, you've got a story to tell that well, either way, you've got a story to tell. Either way. You know, the the guy pulling in, you're telling the story later to your buddies. The cow, you're telling the story later to your buddies. Yeah. 
where, where they start comparing the cow to the man and how, um, you know, how that they are very similar and how you can even look at the similarities between the two and help yourself process those things. Now there's a, um, it's, this one's a little bit more, I believe of a popular, uh, Zen Buddhist, um, uh, thing that they, they tell, I can't remember what it's called, but he, um, there was a, um, a monk who uh, thought very highly of himself and he went down to a river and he got into a boat and he just kind of was floating there alongside the shore in this boat was meditating is, you know, he had to get away from people that were disturbing him. So he's meditating, right? Yeah. And they, uh, another boat comes along and bumps into his and he's immediately filled with rage. Um, how could they do this to me? Don't they know who I am, right? Yeah. You threw off the emperor's groove. Yes. So <laughs> he got exact exactly. Yeah. So, um, dude, he, he gets super angry, loses his mind, opens his eyes and realizes that it was just a boat that had came untied and floated down and bumped into him. And there was nobody there. The only person that was there that was him and his reaction was just himself. So every time that we have a reaction that is that kind of like anger and stuff, we need to understand that it's just an empty boat and we have full control over how we should feel about every situation. That's an ultimate power to not give somebody is to not let them make you feel any kind of way that you don't want to feel. Um, that's where like Buddhism is the, like the wildest thing. Buddhism and like Taoism, they are yeah, yeah. such unique philosophies. Buddhism is kind of weird because it's not, it's supposed to be a philosophy, not a religion. There's not supposed yep. to be any gods, but for some reason there no. are. Like yeah. er- everything gets corrupted along a far enough timeline. But if yeah. you if you look at some of like the um, the Zen Buddhism is a little bit different. It's got a little. Uh, it's got that philosophical side that is you know uh, kind of you see a lot of people referencing movies and things. That's yeah. that's a little bit more. But even just um, the historical, the, like like the the eight yeah. noble truths, I think it is, or the four noble yes. truths of the eightfold yes. path. I can't remember. Yes. But like that, yes. that life is pain, is like one yes. of like the ultimate truths. Like you suffering yeah. happens. Suffering is going to yes. happen, and like to get rid of desire is where you. So it's that it's that old yeah. thing. Like you know, they went to uh, the Buddha and said, "I want happiness." It's like, well, get rid yes. of. Get rid of want, that's desire. Get rid of I, yeah. that's ego, and all you're left with is yeah. happy. And it's yes. it's such a unique look at things to when when you are talking about it and you start looking at things from that Zen, that Buddhist perspective. Yeah. It's like, so man. I was having um, some really bad anger management problems, and I feel like it had a, a lot to do with uh, some of the uh, stress and uh, trauma from my last job. Yeah. So I was having a lot of uh, anger issues, a lot of anger issues. And um, so I really took a um, really like hard look at myself and tried to um, look into ways of controlling that and kind of got interested into like uh, Eastern school of thought as far as that goes. And there have been, there's, there's been some times where um, it has really helped me. And like, I feel like it has really helped me um, to like, better better myself you know what i mean I, i'm achieving goals that i wanted to achieve and um it's it's really kind of like pushed me forward in a big way and so it kind of makes me want to to learn more about it you know but um so um i know that if 
by doing the things that I've been doing, that the ultimate goal of giving up everything and just no desire, right? Yeah. I do believe deep down that that would you would reach a state similar to Nirvana by doing that because desires do. And like I said here, I do believe that by leading a kind of like really pious Buddhist life would be a very uh, fulfilling life to lead. I believe you know. Um, yeah, because I've looked but, at like the um, what do they call them where the monks live, the monasteries, and it's yeah, like mm-hmm. you look at the way they live and it. It, yeah. it's very pleasant and it, it seems is. desirable. And, and, and I kind of agree with you. Like desire is, yeah. it creates stress, which creates suffering. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's like all from this, the, the, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to put into words from I us. I find myself but it's wanting less and less material stuff also. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, it, it I don't does. find the delight in um, material things. Like I'm sitting here and I'm like, I have enough books now. You know, um, I need to start putting my my efforts and stuff into uh, better things. I guess experiences um, is one of those things. Like exactly. we we yeah, recently left and went to huge. we went to Tennessee. Took the kids down oh, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had a, had a bunch of experiences. We came back. We bought you know we had some souvenir type stuff, but it's sure. really to like. That's where your memory is locked. You know, you put on yeah. that shirt or you look at that thing and it's like, oh, I remember this. And then you can, you know, think back to what happened. It's it's just a, a memory locker. It's a memory card for the experience is what a souvenir really yeah. is. I, I always try to buy weird things. I bought a luchador mask at my first Comic-Con. That is hilarious. I've never been to a Comic-Con. <laughs> like, I've, I've kind what? of like... You have never been, dude. Like, there's OhioCon, which I think is in uh, January. What are they like? Yeah. Okay, so and do you um, have to like love anime? Because like I like Death Note. Okay, no, I like Attack no, on no. Titan, but like Abs- so. absolutely not, bro. So um, Comic Con is more. Um, it, it's more of uh, like um, Wonder Woman, Batman, Iron Man, X Men. It's more that that type of stuff is more prevalent. But it, there's also a huge that's what started it i guess but it's not even like about that anymore there's a huge amount of people that it's any kind of real fandom um people that love oh man uh anything <laughs> for real uh, lord, the, of the doctor who, lord of the rings doctor who uh star love wars who. star trek love doctor who yeah um just, I mean, just any kind of like major phantom video game. Um, there's a lot of, and so it's a big chance for people to dress up and, and they like do their cosplay and they spend a lot of money on some of them and some of them are very impressive. But yeah. the craziest thing is you go there and I come walking around the corner and I turn and I look around the corner and sitting there at a table, not five feet from me is Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. And are you? Yes. Why? He was he was sitting there signing autographs and shit, and he turns and he looks over. Well, he at was me. Batman. Yeah, he was Batman. I was super excited, and he was yeah. like in Tombstone, so like, yeah. you know, people like any kind of. So he turns and he looks over at me, and he smiles and nods his head, and I just did like the head nod back to him, and I was like, oh my god, I just totally head nodded Val Kilmer. And in, in, in um, like some of the most badass shit when you have that experience as opposed to like totally like fanboying out and like oh my god i need your autograph and let me get Absolutely. a picture but Absolutely. when you've got that like side so that was it man it's not working the way i wanted it to is it is it yeah it is okay 
didn't. Sorry, I couldn't see that it was fucking recording where I, where I needed it to because it's. A little, I'm still new to this. Fuck off. Um, that's it. That was the interview. You see, you see where it cut off. It was getting to a really fucking neat spot. We talked. That was this Comic Con thing, I think, and we talked about uh, celebrities and shit like that for a little while and who we've met. And I don't even know. Because I didn't listen to the whole thing, I listened to some of it, and I want to address something. But I don't know if we even got to to the point where we talked about our um, paranormal experiences. Don't know if you got to hear that or not. Um, hopefully you did, because it was really cool. But I don't know. <laughs> so, yep, that's the end. Um, I'm not going to keep too much longer. This is probably going to be right at three hours long, uh, depending on how long I ramble. The thing I wanted to address is I could hear myself breathing the entire time. I promise you, I wasn't mouth breathing. I have a very large gauge septum ring, and I have, because of that, a very deviated septum. I work in a facility where I'm grinding iron parts all the time, so my nose, my nostrils, my sinuses are fucked up. It's just loud breathing all the time. Not struggling to breathe, it's just loud because it's so fucked up in there. So... Just wanted to address that. I do apologize for all the noises being heard through my nose holes. But, um, yep, that's it. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, tune in for more. Okay, bye.